Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagaric. And today we will be continuing our Batman week with Batman Begins from 2005. Uh, very exciting stuff because, of course, the, the new The Batman is out. Matt Reeves' uh, wonderful film. It's out in theaters. Uh, we're recording this on a, on a Friday night. Connor and I both saw The Batman uh, last night. Uh, oh, boy. It's very good. Uh, and, you know, we've been doing all kinds of Batman stuff this week. So for Oscar Sunday, we wanted to kind of kick off the Nolan trilogy properly. Uh, at some point in the future, we'll do Dark Knight, you know, I mean, because that's just one of those kind of Oscar classics because of Heath Ledger. Right. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, Batman Begins was nominated for one Oscar at the 78th Academy Awards uh, Best Cinematography. Wally Pfister, the legend himself. And uh, I think Batman Begins, along with, uh, of course, you know, The Dark Knight, Iron Man, got to throw the Incredibles in there, I think plays a, plays a crucial role in superhero films being what they are today. Yeah, there's a, a wave in the early 2000s that showed that superhero films can be a genre that commands respect among film fans, that it's yeah. worthy of Oscar nominations, worthy of Oscar wins, that it's a legitimate genre to be feared and i'm so glad that happened because now we have all these amazing movies to just constantly revisit and reevaluate and i fucking love the, the the world we live in now for superhero movies is unreal it's the best time to be a, a nerd by like ever in history <laughs> yeah yeah for sure uh gotta throw a spider-man one and two in there as well sam raimi spider-man's gotta throw those in there give them some respect uh, yeah being a nerd is in nowadays and <laughs> Being being kind of a, a, a you know a dork, being kind of a fucking comic book nerd or dork is like is cool now. And uh, I think when we were kids, like when these movies were coming out, it was still kind of like mm, I don't know. But when you get these, you know, you get a guy like Christopher Nolan backing your film and the people that he works with, you know, James Newton Howard and Hans Zimmer. And- and Nathan Crowley and Lee Smith and of course the, the cast, these people are like incredible at their job. So it just demands your attention, right? It demands your attention. And I think that's the best thing Marvel has done since Iron Man is they've just gotten these fucking incredible actors to play superheroes and comic book characters. And by that, you know, you get people who aren't comic book readers to go see the films. And so now you have everybody by the balls and it's like, we're making great shit. You have to pay attention. And that's that's the genius, I think, of where superhero movies are at now. Um, I just watched uh, Eternals a few days ago. And while I, I have mixed feelings about it, like everybody, I was like, this cast is fucking cool as shit. Like, Brian Terry Henry is one of the best, you know, best in the game right now. And, you know, Kumail being in it is, is such a cool casting. And Angelina Jolie, what the hell? It's just crazy that they can just do this. And with any of their movies, they, they can just do that. And I think with Batman, the casting is all time, you know, and who knows what Matt Reeves is going to do next, right? It's just kind of like buckle up, get, get ready for a wild ride. But without Nolan, do we have, do we have Matt Reeves, the Batman? I don't think so. I really don't. I think Christopher Nolan completely change the game for for the dark knight for the you know cape crusader for how we see him in live action this gritty grisly nasty gotham that feels realistic but also still kind of kind of fantastical and 
I, I don't know. You have to give him a lot of praise for that. I'm not a huge Nolan fan, but you've got to get him his, give him his respect for that. You know, I'm going to just come out and say it. I am a huge Nolan fan. I know I have to like kind of shrink that whenever I'm doing a podcast with Caleb because he despises the man. <laughs> but I, I mean, but look what he's done for cinema. Come on. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I, who else is going to make a film like Interstellar or The Prestige? I mean, this is this guy's a, an, like an artist. And what he did with yeah. Batman is like, I'm eternally grateful. Like he we needed that revival just for the sake of the character. Because, I mean, we've all seen Batman and Robin. We know we've seen this character's rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> he needed to rise and he needed a filmmaker like Nolan who was ambitious and willing to take a risk with this thing. Because this was a risky project in 05. This was not a sure thing. And he turned it into a sure thing. He made Batman profitable again. He made superhero movies respected again. And for that, he deserves the very least a firm handshake. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, Yeah, of course, his comments about certain things, you know, dealing with the industry, whatever. I just don't care too much about that because I'm ultimately going to look at the guy's work and what he's, what he's, what he's given us as, as a filmmaker. And like you said, this is really risky and the dark Knight trilogy is filled with risks that paid off <laughs> tenfold. Uh, Nolan, you know, he had done memento and insomnia. Like the guy wasn't this surefire thing. It, it was, it was, they were like, Hey, let's get a real filmmaker. Who's in, like you said, ambitious and has a specific vision. Let's give him a go at it. And it, it, it worked out. And here we are talking about Batman begins on Oscar Sunday. Uh, we are going to talk about Nolan some more soon. We're going to talk about the cast of Batman Begins and uh, the Oscar-nominated people. There, there's a shit ton that worked on the film. A shit ton. Uh, we haven't done that in a while, and there's it's a long list. So this is going to be a hefty episode. Uh, before we get into the individuals, I do want to do something that I've been wanting to do forever on on any film guys and podcast. Doesn't matter what it is. I want to do top five Batman films, and that is everything. That is, you know, live action made it whatever you want you know fucking lego batman i don't give a shit whatever you want to, whatever you want to shout out top five so connor let's start with your number five what do you got top five batman films okay this was a challenge because i have been a batman fan my entire life i grew up with batman films it's hard for me to pick my top five favorite and i have equated the animated films with the live action films they stand on mm. equal ground for me they have my mm. whole life so this is uh this is gonna be special Number five is Tim Burton's Batman. Okay. Uh, I recently did a filmgasm uh, podcast with Colton Jenkins on Batman 1989. Had an absolute blast uh, revisiting this film, which to me is the definitive turning point of superhero film. And I think that you can trace the, like, the casting, like the, the actors who want to be a part of these things. I think you can trace that to Jack Nicholson. Mm. who brought a level of respect to a film that everyone was kind of expecting to fail. And his involvement like made people pay attention. Uh, so thanks Jack for that. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Jack's an amazing Joker. Michael Keaton's. I mean, no, I, I did just see the Batman, but Michael Keaton still my favorite Batman. He is still my favorite to wear the Cape and cowl. Perfect as Batman and Bruce Wayne. I love it. 
And this film never gets old. It still holds up. It's a blast to watch. And I, uh, I mean, if this is me praising my number five, I mean, what the hell, what's coming? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel that Batman barely missed my list. Uh, yeah. I adore that 1989 version. Uh, mainly, mainly because of Jack, right. You know, this is a guy who in the seventies was doing shit like the last detail of Chinatown and once of the cuckoo's nest back to back to back. And then he's like, you know, playing this wacky comic book villain uh, to, to near perfection. And some of his quotes in that movie are some of his best, you know, best delivered quotes of all time. So yeah, I've, I, I knew that was going to be in yours. I, I had a really hard time leaving it out because I really like it. It's a nine out of 10 kind of movie for me. I, I really, really like it. Uh, I'm guessing it's a nine for you as well. Yeah. And I love that we have so many favorites in this like giant franchise that the nines are in the back half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll just say right now I have three nines and two tens. Like that's, that's a pretty good resume for Batman films. Yeah. Yeah. I too have three nines and two tens. Oh God. I love it. I love it. Oh, this is going to be great. Um, <laughs> my number five is a, uh, is a film that, that you showed me that I couldn't believe uh, I hadn't seen. Uh, you own it on DVD. I believe it's on HBO Max now, along with a lot of other animated Batman films. This is 1993's Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Uh-huh. Jesus. Jesus. Christ. <laughs> this is, boy, this is one of the coolest Batman stories I've ever, ever encountered. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with it, good. If you're not, do some homework. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. Just a complete breeze. And, uh, really really dark you know great great undertone you have you know the batman who's you know fucking questioning everything that's happening and uh i love uh andrea beaumont his his like love interest uh, bruce wayne's love interest in it she's actually uh voiced by uh dana delaney and i just watched a movie last night after i watched the batman i got home and i was like holy shit i can't fucking go to sleep my mind is wired so i watched this movie called light sleeper ha <laughs> very funny and uh, it's a Paul Schrader film with Willem Dafoe and Dana Delaney uh, and Susan Sarandon. It's very, very good. Uh, like an awesome, awesome film. So I also, after that, I couldn't go to sleep. But Dana Delaney is great in that movie. Uh, I love I love the, the uh, effect of Batman, you know, being pursued for these murders while it's really not him. It's this other vigilante, you know, who's fucking roaming the streets and is equally as like frightening and daunting that's that's the most genius shit you can do right is to have basically two batmans in the same city but one of them is like pure evil you know and and is taking matters into his own hands and assassinating people so uh i I love everything about it i love you have you have this kind of a batman uh who's just kind of uh kind of like lost and i i love that i love that about batman i love that about bruce wayne i love when he doesn't know exactly where to go or what he's doing or questioning every little every little movie makes am i doing the right thing is this you know is this my calling and i think we saw that a lot with the new one you know uh, i love that i love those connections i'm so glad you had mask of the phantasm on your top five i'm i'm so glad we get to talk about this film briefly um this is the first dc animated film and the one of the few they've released theatrically, and it was a hit. It was a spinoff of the animated series and started a trend that continues to this day of you know direct-to-video animated films. And it is a very exciting 
very grown up Batman story. I mean, you see a lot yeah. of murder in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it showcases the voice talents of Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill going head to head, which is the best thing about the animated series. Um, and it's just, like you said, it, it really deals with like Batman having an existential crisis of like, am yeah. I making a yeah. difference? Is this my calling? Like, you know, I love when he's at his parents' grave and saying like, I didn't want this forever. Like, Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't ask for this. Yeah. Kevin Conroy. God, I love Keaton. I, I, uh, respect Bale, right. You know, I loved Pattinson, but good God, Kevin Conroy. Nobody has the voice like Kevin fucking Conroy. He's the best. And Mark Hamill, you know, right. Hands down. One of the best voice actors of all time. When I think of Batman and the Joker, those are the first two voices that pop into my head. Hands down. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand that. Uh, I like uh, Bob Hastings as the as Commissioner Gordon. I think he's got a really cool voice. This is yeah, this movie just fucking hits on all cylinders, and yeah, it's a pure nine out of ten for me. Uh, if I see it a few more times, it, it might raise up to a ten. It's it's that good, beautiful. And I do want to point out, um, pretty much every DC animated film is on HBO Max now because of a deal they have with DC. So if you ever want to watch any of this stuff, that's where you go. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't own the uh, Nolan trilogy. Uh, so I was looking for, you know, we're obviously we always watch the films that we're going to be covering. So when I was pulling up Batman Begins and I just searched Batman on HBO Max, I was just like, I forget just how much shit they have. I was like, uh, like if I, oh God, I wish I had a week off to just fucking <laughs> binge all of these and rewatch all of these, you know, because uh, I just remember him so vividly through, from my childhood. But yeah, Phantasm was one that I hadn't seen as a kid. There's a lot of them I have seen that I really respect. Uh, and of course, Justice League was like one of my favorite TV shows as a child. Uh, but Phantasm was one you showed me because you owned it. And I think. Fuck, why did you let me borrow? We were doing something on yeah. Filmgasm where I, what was it? We were doing a, um, a legacy of the Joker weird shit Wednesday. That's, That's what right. That's right. And you were like, you have to see this. And I was like, OK, you know, I I've seen Mark Hamill at work, but. I need to see the first one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Good call. Very good. Um, yeah. Phantasm. I, go check it out. If you haven't seen it. it, it is so good. We don't want to spoil too much of it here. Cause I do think there is a younger crowd that just hasn't seen it yet. You know, hasn't, ha- hasn't had that chance to, to check it out, but people who grew up in the eighties, nineties, I'm sure are like, fuck yeah. You know, that movie is wonderful. And you know, could, could I, I, if someone had this at number one for their Batman ranking, I have no problems with that. <laughs> it kind of applies for my whole list, really. I mean, I've got nothing but firm favorites here. Yeah. Uh, and with that, my number four is the new boy, the Batman. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> the new oh, boy. boy. <laughs> new kid on the block. So I had very high expectations for this film. This was my most anticipated movie of the year for the past, like, three years. Uh, I had, you know, apprehension when they announced Robert Pattinson. I had not yet seen his post-Twilight career, and I was very much like, fuck, they're doing it to us again. Like, after Affleck, and I'm like, you're going to risk the backlash again. And then I watched The Lighthouse, and I'm like, this dude's going to rock this. (laughs) Uh, This movie is a near flawless Batman film. Matt Reeves understands this character better than any filmmaker that has ever done a Batman movie. I mean, 
holy shit, does he get it? And Pattinson was born for this character. He is fantastic. Uh, the entire cast is perfectly cast. Everyone rocks this shit. Paul Dano is terrifying as the Riddler. A, an, an unhinged performance, unlike any I've seen in a long time. Zoe Kravitz is a great... Uh, she has great chemistry with Pattinson. John Turturro fucking rocks his Carmine Falcone. Like, it's so good. Colin Farrell in a fat suit and under heavy makeup is a super Chicago Italian gangster penguin. It's, it's perfect. Uh, the action set pieces are amazing. The, like, it's just, it's perfect. The music, oh my God, Michael Giacchino's sto- score has been in my head for the past two days. I, I, I can't escape it. I can absolutely see this rising up. I don't want to say too much because we are doing a full episode on the Batman for Monday's sneak preview. And I'm going to save my major thoughts for that. But suffice it to say, this met all of my expectations and I cannot wait for more. Mm. Yes. Yes, man. Uh, yeah, I'll be talking about that one here in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got, got a few things I would like to share, but my, <laughs> my number four is Batman Begins. Uh, Jesus Christ, you know, I forgot how much I like this movie. I actually saw Batman Begins in theaters when I was in Colorado. We were on a vacation, like a family vacation. And I, uh, I, got, I have to admit something here. I was 10 years old. Um, and if you've listened to our shows before and, you know, you've heard, heard me talk about my, my movie journey, I, did, um, I wasn't allowed or I wouldn't say even allowed is the right one. I wasn't exposed to a lot of uh, dark stuff as a kid until I was probably 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there when I started gaining an interest myself. And I was like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm going to watch these movies. Uh, so when I saw begins in, in theaters, I, I like got frightened and walked out of the theater. Like I, I was so, I was so freaked out, uh, during the scene, during the scene when, uh, Batman gives, Dr. Crane, Scarecrow, his taste of his own medicine, he turned his face turns into this fucking wild, gnarly, horror-like, you know, all black. And his teeth are fucking gnashing, you know. I was like, I can't handle this, you know, and I, I don't like it. And I'd rather just rather just go get some popcorn or something, you know. And I came back. I came back. I finished the movie, but I, I didn't understand it as a kid. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, well. I thought it was just going to be pure action. You know, I was like, oh, we're going to see an action, you know, a superhero movie. Little did I know that this was going to be this table setting origin story, fucking brilliant setup for what's to come, you know, after with a uh, dark Knight, dark Knight rises, but begins is it begins is the only one from the Nolan trilogy on my list. I love, love this one compared to the other two. And I think, I think it's patience is my favorite part of it. I, I, I think Nolan, and company did a really good job with begins and kind of just letting things fall into place. Uh, I normally don't love um, origin stuff, but God damn, there's something about the way Bale pulls, pulls this shit off and, and, and Nolan films it. And uh, Wally, Wally Fister as well films it. I, I just really dig it. The stuff with Liam Neeson, right. You know, at the beginning of the league of shadows, I, I love that shit. That's some of my favorite parts of the movie. And that normally never happens. Normally, I'm like, okay, let's get to the point. Let's get to it. We understand. We we're, we know why we're here. But with begins, I just feel differently. I think it's not out of place. I think it's got a good pace to it. It's patient. It knows where it wants to go. 
it's like only two hours, which is crazy. The it's about it's about two hours and ten minutes. The credits are ten minutes long. You know, it says it's two hours and twenty minutes. Bullshit. The credits. I, when I was watching, I was like, God damn, these credits are long as fuck. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I really respect this movie, Batman Begins, and I think I think it's wicked important to how we look at superhero stuff today and that initial the initial jolt that 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 you know fans had of wait it doesn't have to be all you know grins and giggles and oh you know the good guys won this is some dark shit and it it really shows you the uh, you know the underbelly of, of gotham and how dark some of these people are you know dr crane and carmine Tom Wilkinson as Carmine, come on, you know, just get the fuck out. Like no one, no one will ever top what he was doing in that movie. I wish he had more scenes. Um, I, yeah, I love Batman Begins. And of course we'll be talking about a lot more as the episode goes. Well, Batman Begins my number three, so might as well just go in here. Perfect. Um, (laughs) Yeah, this was a game changer. I can't really recall the first time I saw this. I'm sure I saw it at the movies because my mom and dad were, Batman fans and wanted to take me to see this, but I, I think, you know, I was very much like, I grew up with Batman forever and Batman and Robin. And I'm like, where's the, where are the gags? Where's the, where's the action? Yeah. Yeah. It took, it took a few years to appreciate it. And I'm glad I did because this is a very well thought out return to form. Cause remember like we, I think the reason this works so well as an origin story and why we were all just kind of cool with that is because Batman had gotten so corrupted in the mainstream culture that we were just kind of like, we needed a fresh start. We needed to know from the beginning how this guy, how Bruce Wayne billionaire became the dark Knight. Mm. We, we got, we had to see that story and I'm glad we did. Cause no one just makes it so believable about this guy who, you know, lost everything that, that mattered to him and found meaning in the bat. And I, I, it's, it's a great story. Uh, my one beef with it is the mispronunciation of Raish Al Ghul. <laughs> yeah. My one problem yeah. with the movie. <laughs> that's really cool. Like they just call him Ross. Like that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really cool that you pointed that out. Cause yeah, I've always heard uh, big time Batman fans be like, what the fuck? Like it's, it's such a simple fix. You know, it's a little, it's a little weird that nobody on set said anything about that. Um, and it, of course now, you know, there is a little bit of weirdness. This, Liam Neeson, a white actor playing a Middle Eastern character traditionally in the comics that hasn't aged all that well, but Neeson's performance kind of outshines that. Uh, They did it again in the Dark Knight Rises with Bane, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Christopher Nolan, uh, you know, he likes, he likes his specific actors. Yeah. (laughs) He likes his, his Anglo-Saxon compadres. I gotcha. Yeah. But (laughs) you can't have everything. Um, But yeah, begins as an epic start. And uh, a very fun, exciting movie that holds up. I love the tease at the end with the Joker card, just knowing what was coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll look into uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This movie kicks ass. We're going to talk a lot about the cast and everything that we appreciate about it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's in our, both in our top five. That's great because my number three is the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I was. Uh, very, very skeptical about, about this movie, about the trailer, about, is this just going to be a fourth Nolan movie? Is this like, what, what, what are we doing here? And 
I think what we got was a mixture of, of Nolan's, you know, kind of realistic, you know, gritty Gotham, but we also got, got some kind of like operatic stuff that you see in the Burton movies. And that's all I want. <laughs> that's all I want. All I want is, is a, a balance of both. And I, I can't, I, I, I've been thinking about the movie all day, you know, all day at work. And like you said, listening to that score, just kind of in my head, like Jesus. And, and you know, I'm a huge, huge, huge uh, Nirvana fan. And there's, you know, there's a couple shout outs there. So if you're a Nirvana fan, buckle up for the Batman. It's, it's really cool <laughs> what they do there. Um, Robert Pattinson, Jesus, this guy, uh, I knew I've known he's had it for a long time. Um, I, for me, you know, post twilight, he just starts, he just starts kicking ass. So even I'll, I'll even, I'll fucking shout out a bunch of movies here. Water for elephants. He goes toe to toe with Witherspoon in that movie. And I was like, okay, this guy's got, this guy's got some chops here. Like he's, he's a, he's a real actor. And then I watched a movie called the Rover where he goes toe to toe with Guy Pierce. And I was like, okay, Jesus, this guy's fucking good. Like look out for him. And then I see him in good time. The Safdie brothers, good time, fucking brilliant, like heist thriller movie. And he's fucking crazy good in that. That's my favorite performance of his uh, of all time, for sure. And then uh, he's in Claire Denis' uh, High Life, which is this crazy sci-fi film that he's wonderful in. And then The Lighthouse and The King in 2019. Come on. Uh, he was great in The Devil All the Time from 2020. I Like, very scary. And so I, I think the guy just has put together a resume for about 10 years now. This just makes sense to me. This is how it happens. He's in his late 30s. This is how it works. You put together something good. You get rewarded with this giant, huge paycheck to play the Dark Knight. So I, I knew he was not going to be the problem. My, my, my qualms were with the trailer and, and just kind of the buildup to it was like, oh, I don't want this to be the exact same thing that we got, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago with Nolan stuff. But there, there is a clear vision here from Matt Reeves. Uh, talk about the change of camera lenses and the use of water, the use of rain, the use of Gotham better than any we've ever seen. My favorite thing was the use of Gotham square garden, how it's, it's Madison square garden and he changes it to Gotham. The exact same. It's really cool. And they use the shit out of that arena. Very cool. Paul Dano, Christ almighty. Like the guy knocks the Riddler out of the park. <laughs> uh, Colin Farrell. Yeah. I mean, the guy's just, a legend at this point. Um, John Turturro. The amount of John Turturro we got in the Batman is the amount I wanted Tom Wilkinson in Batman Begins. <laughs> I love John Turturro. I thought he was great. Um, Zoe Kravitz, Christ. She is a striking, striking actress. She is so good. And her and Pattinson clearly have have a chemistry that, that just works on screen. Um, I, I, I don't really know what problem I have with it. Uh, this is a pure nine out of 10 movie that I've seen just one time. So I, I can't wait to see it again. I can't wait to watch it at home. Cause I think that's a huge, huge test for movies after you see them in theaters and you're kind of like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. That was incredible. That was kind of like, that kind of rocked me. I think it's go back and watch them at home to make sure that you can rewatch it for the years to come. I think that's something that the Nolan trilogy, Nolan trilogy has proved to be. They, he, he's, He's met that met that mark, you know. Uh, it's very easy to rewatch Begins. It's very easy to rewatch Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. I'm hoping the Batman has that same kind of translation to at home, you know. 
Uh, I think that's really important for superhero movies because they're going to be watched over and over and over and dissected over and over and over. Um, the Batman, three hours long, worth every second. So uh, it's hard to not spoil the shit out of this movie. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it is damn good. It's a damn good film. Um, I've been reading letterbox reviews all day. Just kind of, you know, people are just, people love this shit. So uh, it's, it's very cool that we, we kind of have it back right after that Affleck uh, fucking experiment. So it's, it's good to be in a new decade, the 2020s and to look forward to hopefully a couple more Batman movies with Pattinson. Yeah. From what I hear, Reeves has a trilogy in mind, a very clear, like he's planning a trilogy, which means no surprise, you know, fuck ups. It's going to be methodically planned out. He seems like that kind of filmmaker. Yeah, has things planned out years in advance. Pattinson said that he's willing to play Batman like as long as people want him to play Batman. He's so grateful to have this role and so excited. This is the first, I think, real time we've seen Batman fans have the future of Batman in their hands. And Mm. that's exciting. Yeah, that's cool as shit. You think about the Nolan trilogy, it goes from 05 to 2012. So, you know, I would think that we're going to get 2022 to like 2030. We're going to get we're going to get a full decade here of, of Batman shit. I think it's, I think it's happening. I think, you know, again, not going to spoil it, but the ending of the film is like, okay, clearly there's more. <laughs> clearly there's more story to tell, you know, and clearly, clearly the Batman has more stuff to go through and I'm in, I'm fucking in. Oh, me too, man. I, <laughs> I already know that I, my dad's coming to visit me from Virginia in a couple of weeks. And I already know I'm like, we're going to go see Batman. Like that's going to be, one of the things we do because he's like he texted me he was like can you wait till i show like till i come to texas to see batman and i was like i no. love you dad but no <laughs> no way yeah no fucking way i i'll see it with you but i'm i, I cannot wait for this i've yeah. waited long enough <laughs> for 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 as uh uh a lot of people a lot of a lot of uh like there's family members i have and friends i have that call me a, a snob when it comes to film you know, that's funny because the only two films I've seen on opening night the past year are Spider-Man and Batman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it all. I like it all. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be able to just embrace all of this shit and not give a fuck what anybody thinks of your standards or your likes and dislikes. It's uh-huh. all about what, you know, what you get out of it. That's what film is. It's all yeah. subjective. Yes. Uh Yes. Hell yeah. I'm so glad we both have it in our top five. Uh, That's really cool. So we're down to our two and one here. What's your number two? My number two is what most people consider to be maybe the greatest comic book movie of all time. The Dark Knight. Mm, I knew that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) I yeah, that's right. I I'm in there. I'm in that camp, too. This movie is fucking amazing. Uh, The hype for The Dark Knight was unlike any Batman hype I'd ever seen. Even the Batman did not have the level of hype the Dark Knight had. Everyone wanted to see what Heath Ledger was going to bring to the Joker. There was, you know, before we got a trailer, everyone was like, are you fucking kidding me? The Knight's Tale guy? Really? <laughs> like, Brokeback Mountain guy? He's our Joker? Did you, like, everyone okay. was like, boo. <laughs> and then we got a trailer and everyone was like, what the fuck? This, this is a Joker unlike anything we've ever seen. And like the trailer just kept coming and it was like you know it was a three-year gap between begins and the dark night yeah and when we finally got the movie everyone was stunned by the joker he was amazing but i don't think anybody expected two-face 
No, no. From Aaron Eckhart? No, no way. Yeah. And that's what landed it here for me. I love the Joker to death, but the, what Nolan did with Two-Face was beautiful. Turning him in, like, Two-Face has always been a tragic villain. His backstories, you know, Gotham's white knight turned into an evil son of a bitch like this. But the way he did it by, you know, making it, you know, Two-Face losing, or Harvey losing his, his love, and then just letting all the darkness that's been trying to push its way in just wash over him immediately. That image when he, like, looks at the coin and realizes what happened and he just starts shaking. It's like, that's Two-Face right there. Harvey Dent is dead in that moment. Uh, and considering they, that Nolan had to kind of cobble that together uh, for an ending after Heath Ledger tragically passed, it works so well. Like it does not, it feels like that was the plan. Uh, the Dark Knight remains one of the most influential comic book films of all time, a landmark film for Nolan, for everybody involved, and still a monumental watch that does not like lose any luster. Heath Ledger's Joker continues to freak me out every time I watch this movie. I'm, I'm blown away. It's a, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like the dark Knight, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what it is. I think it has my favorite scene of any Batman movie ever, which is the opening heist scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite scene of any Batman movie because at the end of begins, you know, you hear Gordon, uh, Gary Oldman's Gordon. He's like, oh, you know, he's this fucking like bank robber. Like I could watch that for three hours. I could watch the Joker leading heist for three hours straight. I think it should have been longer. I think it gets, I think it gets a, a little bit sloppy in the storytelling uh, with, with the dark Knight, where I get kind of like, ah, fuck, they should have spent a little more time. Which, I don't know, people obviously disagree with me because it's like ranked one of the top five films ever on IMDb and people are obsessed with it. I just, I've seen it so many times that I, I dissect the shit out of it. And I think Heath Ledger is carrying the fucking hell out of it at times. Uh, I think I think Bale is uh, outmatched here <laughs> and doesn't know what the hell to do with Aaron Eckhart and, uh, and, uh, and Heath. I also cannot stand the casting change of... Of, of Rachel. I cannot stand it. I like Maggie Gyllenhaal, but it is like, oh my God, they couldn't look any more different. And I don't like when that, ha- I don't like when that happens. I don't like when a huge franchise does a casting change in the middle of what's going on, especially when the Rachel in the first movie, it's pretty good. You can blame Tom Cruise for that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Fucking asshole. Scientologist. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So I'll give you the Rachel that is it's jarring and it is super noticeable. And it does take you out of the film from time to time. I will give you that. I'll also give you Bale. His Batman voice in Batman Begins is fine. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> why he decided to go full throat cancer with just, it in The Dark Knight. Yeah, just like all turned it up all the way to 11. You're like, whoa, yeah. yeah. Where are they? Yeah. yeah. Like it's- Rachel. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, no, it is. It is very good. It is very good. I, 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 I have those nits to pick, you know, it's probably yeah. my, it's my number six or seven on all time with Batman films. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like I said, you know, subjective. I'm not going to reach through my computer and start throttling you because the dark Knight's <laughs> not your favorite movie of all time. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what, you know what I think the biggest change uh, in, in Nolan's and every, everybody calls it Nolan and Matt Reeves, right? They forget that there's all these other people that work on the film. Um, uh, 
Wally Pfister is the cinematographer for the Nolan trilogy. There's a lot of it that's filmed in light. There's scenes during the day. I mean, yeah. The opening scene is in broad daylight. There's the scenes at the hospital that are very bright. This new Batman, Matt Reeves, is a cinematographer, uh, Greg Fraser. Uh, he filmed Dune. This guy likes like very, very dark, warm textures where it's like you are going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's gonna be it's it's gonna be this tone the whole time. You have no other you have no other choice. I think that's the biggest tonal difference. I think a lot of people are like, oh, the Nolan movies are so dark. It's like there's actually a lot of it that's filmed in light, <laughs> and Wally Fister is very good at that. But this new one was like was literally like black, and at times you're like, I don't know what's happening, which is awesome. It's like it kind of kind of fucks with your head and what you're seeing through the eyes of you know. Bruce Wayne through Batman and through, you know, Paul Dano's Riddler. You're like, uh, it's kind of distorted. And I love that about it. I think that's the biggest change in tone. And I, I, I like that change. Well, the Batman is like the first time, in my opinion, in this franchise that we've really gotten to see Batman through the eyes of the criminals. Mm. Like this boogeyman who lurks in the shadows and you don't know where he is, but every time you're breaking the law, you think like he might be over there and is it worth it? Like, I love mm. that touch. Me too. Uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. I, I think it. I think no one could have done some work on making Gotham stand out. It does just feel like Chicago. Like it doesn't really. The city doesn't really feel like any special, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, and then in Dark Knight Rises, they use they use the football field in Pittsburgh, which is really interesting. They use their football field, so you're like. Ge- geographically it's like what's happening here <laughs> you know <laughs> this this matt reeves one is very very obviously this is new york <laughs> this, yeah this is this is fucking nyc crime you know this is nasty run down gotham and deal with it you know uh, i love that yeah and that's fine i mean he wanted a realistic crime drama that happens to have batman in it which works but like you said the batman has that and burton's weirdness that creates this perfect blend of a Batman movie. But yes, the dark Knight is, you know, still going to be the gold standard for most people uh, when it comes to Batman films. And I get that. Yeah. It is a, the relationship between Batman and Joker in that movie is beautiful and perfect and just, you know, holds that thing together. Uh, But I also like, you know, Eric Roberts as Sal Maroney. I thought was an interesting choice. He does really well. Yes. Uh, Oldman and Freeman continue to kill it as Gordon and Lucius. Michael Caine's still great as Alfred. Um, and Aaron Eckhart slays that shit as Two-Face. <laughs> like, he, he rocks it. Both sides. Like, I believe that this is a, an idealist who wants to save this place as Harvey Dent. And then I believe him as a broken man who wants to burn this shit to the ground. Like, he plays both sides so perfectly. Uh, yeah, the Dark Knight's awesome. And I, I get why people have some beefs, but overall, you know, they just slide right past me i can't help but smile when i watch this <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah good shit one day we will be doing that movie on oscar sunday i assume we will wait for more batman shit to come out <laughs> and, and do a whole nother batman week why not um all right my number two is uh is uh you know the one i've been with the longest uh the one that just makes me so happy same as your dark knight for you it's batman returns 1992 shit that's your number two that's my number two yeah so you should know what number one is yeah I, shit all right 
God, I love love Tim Burton's Gotham. I love both of those movies, 89, 92. I wish Tim Burton could have gotten five of these fuckers. Uh, Danny Elfman, music, come on, get out of here. It's, it's the best shit for me. It's my favorite favorite score of any Batman film. Yeah. Uh, the production design by Bo Welch, like, especially in Batman Returns, is unfucking real You know, to put, to put Gotham, quite frankly, on, on, on the weirdest map possible, right, is, is so ballsy, so gutsy, and just shows that they didn't give a shit. They were like, we're going for an operatic, wild fucking movie that just happens to have, you know, these, these comic book characters. But it is so much weirder than any other Batman film. It is so much more committed to being bizarre and strange. And it still made millions at the box office, still crushed that shit. And people went and saw it in droves. And I respect the hell out of it for doing that, for sticking to its guns, kind of saying no to the man and just sticking with that. We are making this film. Danny DeVito is going to play the penguin and no one else is touching that shit. Christopher Walken is going to play the weirdest fucking villain you've ever seen in a Batman film. It's happening. And they stuck to it and it works for me. Michelle Pfeiffer, awesome. And you spoke about Michael Keaton earlier. Hands down, my favorite Batman. I, I mostly like him the most as an actor who's played Batman, who's happened to play Batman. And I respect the hell out of him as a person. Um, and I love what he's done with the, the past decade of his career. I love the like resurgence he's had. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of biased. You know, I just really, really like Michael Keaton. Is he the best? I don't know. I can't, I don't know if anybody can answer that, but he's my favorite. (laughs) And and I I just, I I just can't get over how much fun I have when I'm watching Batman Returns. When, when the penguin takes over the Batmobile, you know, is like my favorite thing ever (laughs) in in a, in a superhero film. And it's just so silly. The one-liners are fucking awesome. They understand like what they're, what they are. They, they have the self-awareness that Batman Returns has is just above like head and shoulders above all other superhero movies for me. So it's a, uh, for live action, there was no question that Returns is going to be my favorite. I played this stinking city like a harp from hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't include Batman Returns because I was certain it was going to come up on your list and we'd get to talk about it anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is, it's such a great movie. It's so weird. It's so Burton. It, I, I love that he probably never read any Batman comics and he heard the Penguin and Catwoman and thought, okay, so weird mutant fish man and lady who has cat qualities. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then Max Shrek, who has this weird fucking cat thing on the top of his tower, you know, like, sure, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's so absurd. I love that Christopher Walken's just here as just like a corrupt businessman who could have been such a throwaway character, but Walken commits to this shit and just makes him such a slimy bastard. It's, it's great. It's so good. And him going toe-to-toe with Bruce Wayne are some of my favorite scenes. Like, not Batman, yep. but Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Ah, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, their, di- their dialogue is the best. Yeah. I, yeah. I adore this movie. Uh, we've done it on Filmgasm a uh, long time ago now. And it was up for Oscars. So we're going to do it at some point as like a Christmas movie. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're never going to be gonna, never going to stop doing this shit. So one day returns will show up on Oscar Sunday. 
whenever the two of us start talking about Batman and microphones in front of us, it ends up being a gargantuan fucking episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do love I do love Batman. He's my favorite. Um, I don't know. I really, really, really love the idea of Spider Man, but Batman on screen, like no one comes close to how badass these 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 stories and 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 Bruce Wayne and you know. The, the the endless stories you have out of him, you know, from being like young to you know the Kevin Conroy shit, where he's like, "Oh, what am I?" You know, and he's like in his late forties, like it's just fucking awesome. I think my favorite thing about Batman Returns is how Elfman builds on the established score to make it more freaky and mutated, almost to like to, re- to reflect these new villains who are just such almost monsters. Uh, yeah, it's so good. It's yeah, and also seeing Batman just not give a fuck and murder constantly, like lighting that one guy on fire and throwing the bomb on that guy's chest, like just he doesn't care. And this, yeah, Burton's Batman just kills whoever's convenient for him. I, 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 I don't like the betrayal of the character, but I also can't help but smile when he just, you know, mows his way through these clowns. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. That's great. So. Do we have the same number one? If, if it's not Batman Returns for you, then yeah, we do. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So what is it? My number one is my all-time favorite Batman Joker story. It's the, the, the undisputed champ of the animated films as far as I'm concerned. Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. That's my number one too. <laughs> undisputed champ of all Batman films. This is the best story they've ever done. Oh my God. It really is. It's I fucking love that it's your number one. I was so I was convinced it was going to be Batman Returns. This is great. Um, <laughs> this is the story of the of Batman and Joker's last fight, the one that changed everything, the one that pretty much ruined Bruce's life and put a layer of guilt upon this man that he never thought possible. And it is so mature in its storytelling, so um, unflinching in what it provides for the audience. And Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy are at their absolute best playing the characters in this movie. Um, Will Friedel holds his own as Terry McGinnis, the new Batman. Uh, I love, just a weird thing. Michael Rosenbaum plays one of the scarecrow or like the scarecrow looking ghoul in the Jokers. And he's doing a Christopher Walken impression as the character. <laughs> I don't know why. It just, I, I, I noticed that my, like a, a few years ago, I'm like, why does he sound like Christopher Walken? Anyway. Um, and yeah, it's, it's such a, it's such a creative story and really plays with the, like the idea of that, like, you can't kill the Joker. It's an idea that can infect anybody. And that's just brilliant for the character. We've seen that in, you know, Joker and the dark Knight. this idea that he doesn't have a name. He's not a person. He's chaos itself. It's, oh, I, I had this on tape as a kid. I have it on Blu-ray now. It's one of my favorite movies of all time and my absolute favorite Batman story. Yeah, yeah. I echo all of that. Now, I watched this as a kid and I was like, um, what? <laughs> you know, are you serious? This is, it's PG-13. It's really dark. Maybe the darkest stuff they've ever done aside from maybe the new Batman. I don't know. It's like, it's gritty. And I hadn't seen it in years. And then you let me borrow this one as well as Mask of the Phantasm for uh, that Joker episode we did. 
And I was just, I, I, it was like my life flashed before my eyes, you know? And I was like, oh my God, I forgot how good this shit was. And I watched it twice in that span that you gave it to me. Cause yeah, it's like an hour long. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. That's my favorite thing about these animated movies is there's just no bullshit. There's nothing. There's no fluff. And that's the best part of it. Um, this is, this is like a character study, this film. And one of the best character studies I've ever seen for a superhero film. And I love it. Hats off to Kurt. I think Kurt Gaeta is how you pronounce it. The director just well done. My well done. My friend, you know, you, you really set the bar in my opinion for storytelling with Batman. And I, I think, I think this is the, this is the peak of, of Conroy and, and Hamill. Right. And I think you also have, you know, you got Dean Stockwell in the fucking voice cast here on this movie. Like, what, are you kidding me? Henry Rollins, you know, Tara Strong. These are like, this is like such a random, awesome bunch of people on board for this film. And it, it, it's, it's absolutely lights out. It's my favorite Batman poster too, with the weird green Joker face in the background. Uh, it's, it's so badass, you know, um, <laughs> the dark blue, blue and black lights of Gotham shining. It's just, beautiful everything about it the aesthetic to it and the the undertone of it is something to behold and uh if you haven't seen this uh like please watch it please 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 it will knock your socks off oh it's i love the way it, it explores batman's like bruce wayne's fear of the joker like we never really see that in anything else but in this movie bruce is terrified and he's like, mm. I will not let anyone else get hurt. Like he tells Terry McGinnis straight up, like you are not ready for what this guy's going to bring to the table. You've never faced the Joker before. It's not, you know, like things are about to change. And that's such a, a cool buildup. And, you know, Terry not really taking it seriously until shit gets too real for him. Uh, oh God, I could talk about this movie forever. We got to throw this on phonegasm at some point soon. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it is one of those one of those movies that is like, okay, do I really want to open this can of worms? Because I might talk for, for an hour. Uh and 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 it's one of those movies that when I talk about it, I'm like, I might as well just watch it. <laughs> and I it, literally become... did earlier today because I was putting my, <laughs> my top five together and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, all right, let's watch that. Yeah, yeah, I, I might watch it tonight when we're done recording, just because I, I I don't know. There's there's something about, I'll admit, there's something about standing up for the animated movies against the live game because it's, it, it's, it's like standing up for the little guy. It's like, look, we know, we, we know this isn't real human beings or whatever, but this storytelling is, is flat out superior to any other live action movie we've talked about tonight. It's like, it's not really a question to me at this point. I, there was a stretch in my life where I was kind of like, there's no way animated movies can live up to to you know what live action does and that's just absolute horseshit that is one of the biggest lies you can tell yourself and when i hear people saying oh no that's like i don't watch animated movies it's like fucking shame on you you know shame on you you're missing out on great art great art and you're missing out on storytelling that has the ability to go through the roof because they're not so focused on the budget of a normal live action film they're focused on the story and giving you a coherent good solid story and that's more important than anything right when you're watching stuff and you're trying to take something in and relate to it or just be entertained so i don't know i 
I have two of them in my top five because I feel like I got to stand up for them, you know? Yeah. Mad respect, man. I've always been in that camp when it comes to the animated stuff from DC there. I think it's their best work. I think the greatest arc they've ever told is the Cadmus arc in the justice league unlimited cartoon. Mm. Like good, good shout. Good shout. That's my gold standard for storytelling from DC. And I love that in the past few years, they've gotten to kind of really hone in on specific graphic novels and adapt those like hush and the long Halloween and the flashpoint paradox and really just getting to experiment. Um, it's epic. And I love these. There's hundreds of like, it feels like there's hundreds of them. Like every time you watch one of them, there's like three more that come out. Uh, I want to try to watch all of them, but honestly, I don't know if I ever will nail that down. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with that because it's this endless library that you can always go to. It's like this little, little pocket of culture that you can always go to and feel, feel like you're going to get some good shit out of it. And that's awesome. So what, What's your second favorite animated movie behind Batman Beyond Return of the Joker? Mm, Batman, probably, obviously, yeah. Um, it's probably uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Dude, oh my God. Talk about some shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that story was so, that was the Avengers Endgame of DC's animated films. The, the ambition in that story was crazy. And it was so exciting, Not never a dull moment, so many surprises, uh, especially for longtime DC fans who just like, you know, been sticking with this. You just got so, it was, you felt so much value in this. Um, and then I equate uh, the Flashpoint Paradox is right up there where mm. your Flash goes back in time and to save his mom and creates a t- new timeline where Wonder Woman and Aquaman are at war and Thomas Wayne became Batman and Martha Wayne became the Joker. And it's just, who comes up with this shit? Like who, who thinks this up? And like, they're goddamn artists. They're brilliant writers. Yeah. And I, Oh yeah. I love these movies. And like you said, with like an hour 15, you can knock four of these out in one day. It's yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I remember uh, apocalypse where we both, I think we both had that in our top 10 films of 2020. It was, just, yeah. it was so, so fucking cool and so dark and so nasty. And the, the, the action was like gory and, uh, yeah, what more could you want from a fucking Justice League movie, right? <laughs> yeah, watching Darkseid like literally just rip the Justice League apart in the first five minutes of this thing. Like, where yeah. did they go from here? Oh my god. They're they're literally broken. Yeah. Fucking any up Civil War <laughs> from Marvel. Come on, you know, like like the, like these animated movies are just setting the bar for me. And God, I love that about it. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of amped to go back and watch more, watch ones I haven't seen before, rewatch stuff. And thank you, HBO Max, for having the library that you do. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've been that's been a, the hardest part for me is hunting these down. And now that they're all in one home, oh, when, next time I have some some real like free time, I'm just gonna marathon the shit out of these movies. Yeah, I, I've no no uh no judgments there, my friend. You know, have at it. Uh, this was, this was a lot of fun. This is one of my favorite top fives we've ever done. Uh, <clears throat> there's just a lot of love for these movies. Uh, they're really special and they could be interchangeable. I think uh, there's something about Batman beyond. If I could, if we could get a, if we could get a legit live action, Batman beyond return of the Joker. I don't even know what I'd do with myself, you know, dude, with Michael Keaton returning full time as Batman signing on for multiple projects and HBO Max being willing to experiment with films like Batgirl, I guarantee you it's been talked about. 
I, yeah, I, I just, you know, pinch me when it happens. Right. <laughs> if they do uh, it, I want them to do this story so bad. I would lose my fucking mind. If they yeah. did this story. I know, oh. I know man. <laughs> it's, it's just gives me chills to think about it. Uh, hell yeah. Well, we got, we got a lot of, uh, people to talk about with Batman begins and, you know, uh, I had it as my number four and you had it as your number three in our ranking. So clearly there's a lot of love here for begins. It's a nine out of 10 in my book, uh, just quality shit. And, you know, we got to start with Christopher Nolan. We got to, got to talk about the man at the helm here. The guy with the vision, the guy who got hired to do something different with the Cape Crusader. Um, not only has he done the dark Knight trilogy, but he's also got some, uh, some stuff on his Oscar resume. He was nominated for best screenplay. Best Original Screenplay, Memento, in 2000. Uh, then he was up for Original Screenplay again in 2010 for Inception, as well as Best Picture of the Year, because he's a producer for that movie. And then he was nominated for Best Director for Kirk in 2017. And again, Best Picture of the Year, Dunkirk, 2017, because he was also a producer. This is missing, you know, of course, Interstellar, The Prestige, you know. He's, he's just got a kick-ass filmography. Yeah, he his films are are very much very unique. Like they, you can tell you're watching a Nolan film. He he has an eye for theatricality and also just like big stories in a small space. Almost, it's 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 weird. It's hard to explain, but it's very obvious. Have you watched uh, Tenet yet? Yeah, not not really a fan of that one. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, I get it. I. I might've been a little generous with my eight. It's one I'd like to revisit, but also like, I don't know if I have time. <laughs> it, it just, it had a lot of like technical problems for me. And that's weird from Nolan. Cause he's kind of a freak uh, where usually those are not the issues. The issues I usually have with Nolan is there's a certain, certain air about him, about his, there's kind of a, it's funny because I think he thinks everything he does is very prestigious, which is funny. You know, it's a funny word to use for him. I wouldn't yeah. go as far as to say he's pretentious. I think a lot of people think the way he has carried himself the past few years, especially with his, you know, his remarks towards what's happening in film at large. I just don't think he's, I don't think he's big enough to, to be the guy, be that voice, but he's put together a very entertaining and rewatchable filmography. A filmography that can you can go back to, you know, revisit. People love it. You know, everybody saw it in theaters type thing. You know, it's like these event type movies. And I respect that about him. Spends a, they spend a lot of money when he does stuff. They get a really good production out of it. And he, you know, is successful and has been up for Oscars as well as, you know, nerds love him. So it's like, it's this cool kind of like jack of all trades type guy. I'm just not crazy about his, his movies. I think... I think begins probably my favorite of his films along with prestige. I love the prestige outside the dark Knight trilogy. The prestige is absolutely my favorite. I, I adore that movie. That's such a neat movie that just gets better with age. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, he's, I want to like him, but he keeps making it fucking difficult because he just keeps coming off as such an out of touch brick with, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like his deal he's got with, I think it's Universal, where his movie is coming out in theaters and nothing is allowed to come out two year, two weeks prior or two weeks after from Universal. Like he's demanding a full month focus on his movie, which is pretty shitty. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely this kind of like self, 
uh, indulging kind of kind of mindset that he has. And and I've always struggled with. Uh, it seems like he, you know, because you know, if you're familiar, he looks as a very you know normal looking white guy with kind of a comb over. It's like he cast guys that look like him, or you know, like Leo in Inception has like the same haircut as him. Uh, Robert Pattinson in Tenet has like the same haircut as him. It's just very bizarre how like that's happened like multiple times. You're like, huh, is he trying to make the main character like himself or I don't know. <laughs> yes, I 100% believe that, uh, especially with Inception, because like that film's supposed to represent movie making. Like each member of, of, of Cobb's crew like represents, you know, like Cobb's the director. Uh, Tom Hardy's like the special effects guy. Yeah. Elliot Page is the. I think the screenwriter or something like it, there's a whole thing about inception that deals with that. Um, I'm glad I rewatched that recently. I actually really enjoyed that on a second watch. Um, uh, so just a second watch. I've seen that movie like 10 times. Cause I, I was really, really into it when it came out in theaters. Yeah. And then, and then now I'm kind of like, it's fun, but I don't know. It's like a seven out of 10. It's, it's fun. I was the opposite. I saw it in theaters and was like, what the fuck was that? I held on to that for 10 years. I watched inception again and I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm following this now. This is pretty entertaining. It's uh, have you seen Paprika? No, it's 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 very much. Uh, not, I want to say copying, but it's very much taking taking some some creative juices from from Paprika. Paprika is awesome, and another animated film that just doesn't get it, get its get its uh, right respect. Oh, uh, dude! But there's you know like this like the scene in the hotel. Yeah, the scene the scene in the hotel in Inception is is like definitely taken out of that film. Yeah. Animated films are, are ripped off so often because nobody seems to care. Like there's this stigma of like, it's not as worthy as real cinema surrounding animated films that I fucking hate. Um, yeah. yeah. So Nolan's new film is shaping up to be a biopic of uh, Robert Oppenheimer, who uh, was the brains behind the atom bomb. And his cast is looking like maybe the most impressive ensemble in film history so i'm on board but it's divisive because of all the weird you know financial and film shit he's kind of surrounding this film with he's tarnishing his own reputation as we speak and i'm i kind of want him to fail so he can have a bit of a reality check yeah you know i'm gonna watch it (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) that's 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 the thing is like he, he he is he is good enough to kind of fuck around and that's 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 kind of crazy but like he's built he's built that he's built that kind of a filmography from memento the following memento insomnia dark knight you know prestige inception fucking fucking dunkirk christ almighty you know interstellar he just yeah he knows what he's doing yeah not gonna argue with that i just kind of wish he'd realize he's not god's gift to cinema and uh settle down a little bit yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. You know who I don't ever want to settle down is Christian Bale. <laughs> Christian Bale, I I think he's an amazing actor, but again, kind of an arrogant human being. But his performances <laughs> are so good, and he's one of my favorite performers. That you know, I hate that I have to reconcile this shit from time to time. I wish these people would just act like like decent people. <laughs> but, you know, maybe that arrogance is what's helping these performances. 
I, I think it certainly is with Bale. I think he is uh, quite egotistical, like to his advantage. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, I think he's a complete freak of nature. Uh, he won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in 2010 with The Fighter. He is phenomenal in that film. Uh, then he's been nominated three other times for Best Actor, uh, Lead Role, Supporting, and Lead. Uh, American Hustle, 2013. Big Short, 2015. And then Vice, 2018. So you got a couple of Adam McKay films. You got a David O. Russell film. or two, Sorry, two David O. Russell films. So clearly, you know, the Academy likes certain stuff from him. But this is not, this just scratches the surface. You know, the guy, the guy's got such a cool, his 21st century is on par with anyone in the world as far as acting goes. That guy got his start at like 10 years old in Spielberg's Empire of the Sun, which isn't a great movie, but he's really good in it. Yeah. And then just kind of was in, you know, you can see a gradual increase in stature from like the bad guy in Shaft to American Psycho to the machinist to fucking Batman. And I think that's cool. Uh, outside of Batman, I, my favorite performance of his has to go to Vice. Okay. Um. My favorite period is definitely American Psycho. That movie is, is so awesome. Uh, that, you know, it's a real toss-up. I do think he is awesome in The Fighter. I just, like, fucking hell. Him and Melissa Leo saved that movie. Uh, uh, yeah, I, li- I like him as Batman. I'm not crazy about his, you know, uh, again, the, like, the voice stuff. But I think he's a pretty good Bruce Wayne. Uh, love The Machinist. I love uh, Hostels, that kind of kind of Western movie that he was in a few years ago. I really like that movie. Um, and, and Prestige. Love him in The Prestige. Oh, my God. Yeah, The Prestige. It, it, the movie's old enough. I can, I can spoil that, right? Fuck yeah. It's like 15 years old. Yeah. Okay, good. I did not realize he was playing Twins the first time. I was like, fuck. What an amazing performance that you don't even see Christian Bale in one of his performances in the movie. <laughs> Jesus. It's, yeah. I love the commitment of Alfred Borden, who's just like, I'm going to be the greatest magician in the world, no matter how much it costs me. And God damn, I want to watch that movie now. Um, yeah. yeah the that's, is wonderful. That's a, that's a good one. Um, but in vice, man, I don't even see Christian Bale in that movie. Oh, I just, no, I see nothing but Dick. It's a great. <laughs> I know what I said. It's a, it's a wonderful performance. I think he got robbed of that Oscar. Uh, yeah, his performance is Dick Cheney. One I never would have thought, but Jesus, does he commit to that movie? Yeah, he does. Yeah, I think I think everyone got robbed in that category. That was uh, Rami Malek's year. Rami Malek, very talented uh, fella, but no, <laughs> that was not his. That was not his Oscar. Oscar. Uh, for that year he's gonna have a future i think but that was bales or uh cooper's come on not even close um yeah i, I think he's gonna be around for a long long time i love him in ford versus ferrari just a few years ago 2019 yeah. love him love him that movie him and matt damon together is, is great <laughs> that is a yeah that's a great movie i love when they get in a fight like right outside matt damon's house and his wife brings them like lemonade yeah yeah great stuff and he's like don't christian bill's like don't bring any for him you know <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> I'll take a coke. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's yeah. That 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 movie's that movie's just fun as shit. Uh, good Hollywood shit. Um, let's talk about the old man. The old man, Michael Caine. Mm. Been around, been around for ages, and uh, 
is actually the most decorated Oscar nominee we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we have uh, four nominations and two wins. So this is, yeah, this is a, this is a big time guy who's been around for like six decades. Uh, he was nominated for Alfie 1966, best actor in a lead role. Sleuth in 1972, best actor in a lead role. Uh, Educating Rita, best actor in a lead role, 1983. And then he won in 1986 for Hannah and her sisters, best actor in a supporting role. And then he won again for best actor in a supporting role, The Cider House Rules, 1999. Uh, yeah, got some stuff to say about that one. And then um, he was nominated for The Quiet American in 2002, best actor in a lead role. I love him to death, but the fact that he beat Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise's performance in Magnolia as Frank T.J. Mackey is a crime, <laughs> is an absolute crime. And that sucks, but I do love Michael Caine. I think he's wonderful. I think he's got such a cool career and has worked with everybody at this point. And there's not very many people you can say have been as good from the sixties to now. That's just crazy. Yeah, he's he's a guy who represents like kind of the evolution of Hollywood. I mean, just in the films he was in, he's been, he feels like he's been there forever. Uh, yeah, ninety nine. I I don't know what happened there. Michael Caine's a great actor. Cannot do an American accent to save his life. Uh, and they gave him an Oscar for it. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that that movie just it's all right. It's whatever. Cider House Rules is a movie I just. I don't know. We covered it on this show um, back when we did uh, American Beauty because mm. it was it was uh, Cider House Rules was nominated for Best Picture. Like I don't think I ever need to watch it again. It's just it's just very average and Oscar Beatty to the core. And uh, Michael Caine, like you said, doing the American accent, yeah, doesn't really work. Doesn't really work. That's what happens when the Academy does not respect the cock. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You know what I like Michael Caine in a lot that uh, uh, a movie I, I, I we've got to do on here is uh, Children of Men. Oh, God. We talked Damn. about that recently. Yeah, Children of Men. What a what a mind blowing film. Brilliant sci fi drama. Uh, yeah, my, uh, I'm trying to think of like yeah to go through Michael Caine's career is like uh, impossible. Yeah, you kind of need to de- dedicate a whole episode to it because yeah, it's just a lot. I like him in this movie. Uh, from 1978 called California Sweet. And that's him and uh, Maggie Smith basically going toe-to-toe in a hotel room. Oh, my God. Just talk about two people at the top of their game that just, you know, putting on a, putting on a clinic. So, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's gems everywhere. Because, yeah, he's been in, like, fucking 200 movies. Mm. You ever see Secondhand Lions? Yeah, yeah, I liked that movie as a kid. I haven't seen that in ages. Yeah, me too. I remember really enjoying that. I remember thinking it hilarious when Robert Duvall doesn't know what bok choy was. That, but yeah, I, that was one of my first Michael Caine films. I loved him as Austin Powers' dad in Goldmember. Yeah, that just made sense. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. When yeah, you mean the one that was all sixes and sevens? Yeah. <laughs> That's Michael Caine's real accent. He really does talk like that. And a shat on a turtle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love him in that. I I you know, Michael Caine as Alfred. My favorite Alfred of all time. Yeah. You know what? That's probably mine too. I love Michael Goff, but he doesn't really get a lot of character moments. Michael Caine really defines Alfred. Um on the um 
the Batman episode of uh, Filmgasm, uh, Colton made a really cool observation where he pointed out that Michael Goff was Bruce Wayne's dad and Michael Caine is Batman's dad. And I thought that was like, really cool. <laughs> I liked that a lot. That'd be a, yeah. that, that, that's a, yeah, that's a cool observation. That, that is huh, well done. <laughs> yeah. Why do we fall? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. Yeah, yeah, so good. How do you not I feel knew, something from that? I knew a great man in Thomas Wayne. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, last Michael Caine shout. Have you ever seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Yes. <laughs> good shout. Good shout. Him and Steve Martin as you know, unscrupulous con men is just perfect. Yeah, that's that's a match made in heaven right there. <laughs> uh, what do you think about Liam Neeson? <laughs> God. I love Liam Neeson most of the time. His whole taken phase, which has not seemed to end, I don't really care for that that much. But as a dramatic actor, I love Liam Neeson. Me, me too. I think he's very, very talented. And I think he, uh, after taken, was just like, oh, here's like a pretty easy way to just pick up some paychecks and have some fun making some action movies and yeah that, that like quite frankly has not ended in like 12 years and that sucks because the guy the guy is extremely talented uh he's been nominated once for best actor in a lead role schindler's list in 1993 uh very very tough film obviously and you know he's pretty damn good in that movie but i, I think you know i think he's got i think he's got stuff in his filmography that you could you could point out to that might might have should have been nominated yeah um Michael Collins comes to mind. Mm. Uh, the story of perhaps Ireland's greatest revolutionary. Uh, he is fantastic in that. Uh, very sad movie just because Michael Collins' story ends so fucking abruptly because of his assassination. Uh, but uh, Lee Neeson does a great job in that. Um, I, <laughs> uh, st- you know what? Fuck it. I'll own it. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Um, hell yeah good <laughs> good pick yes Wagon Jin, obi-wan's master and just the only guy who seems to know how the world how the world really works in this in this movie i love it he's like a jedi who is so disillusioned he just doesn't really care anymore and i really wish we got to see more of his character but you know he had to die so obi-wan could become a teacher hell yeah man i like i like that pick a lot i'm just looking through liam's IMDb and it's just like good god how random can you get I I uh my favorite thing he's done is uh that beginning of Gangs of New York in 2002 yeah. he's <laughs> he is so good at the beginning of that and you feel his presence the rest of the film right you know with uh with Daniel Day-Lewis and Leo DiCaprio uh just that that's power that's power when you can feel somebody that's not even there the whole film uh but yeah man once you really once you get to take and it's like dude what are you doing like he's in the A team and the gray, the gray's okay. Uh, he's in Battleship, Wrath of the Titans, Taken Two, uh, like what, like nonstop. Uh, actually, kind of like nonstop. Um, a million ways to die in the West, Taken Three, Run All Night. Literally, a movie just called Run All Night. Like, okay, you ever, you ever actually watched Run All Night? Um, I, I don't know. It's is, the is exact that, same plot as Road to Perdition. Is that Ben Affleck or who's in that? Uh, I think Ed Harris is in it. Um, oh, so is Liam Neeson the main guy in that one? Yeah. 
yeah, his son kills a mob boss's son and he tries to get his son out of the city before the mob boss can, you know, wants justice. But there's scenes in that movie that are ripped right out of Road to Perdition. It really pissed me off. Yeah, that would piss me off too. You know, I, I clearly don't remember that one. Uh, I, I do love him in Widows, uh, Steve McQueen's 2018 film. I thought he was like, had a real good presence in that film as well. Yeah, he's got, he's got some hits, but more misses in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's just, you know, this phase of him playing a divorced or widowed ex-soldier or cop or federal agent who stumbles into some crazy shit that he has to then get some kid or woman or girl or somebody out of. He's been doing that for 10 years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just Uh, not for me, not for me. Taken on a plane taken with a snowplow taken in Mexico. Like he just keeps doing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did like his brief bit in Ted too, when he's like the intense guy buying trick cereal. And he's like, it says these are for kids. Is that, is that a law? And Ted's like, I, I don't know. He's like, if I buy this, I won't be followed. <laughs> and then later at the end, he returns the cereal covered in bruises and blood. <laughs> God. Great touch. Somewhere along the line, him and Seth MacFarlane forged a working relationship, and I don't know when that happened, but I'm glad it did. Yeah, yeah, me, me too, me too. Ted, Ted and Ted too are, are interesting films. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuck you, Thunder. You can suck my cock. <laughs> uh, I always love that. Um, next up is uh, just an extremely underrated actor, Ken Watanabe. Uh, this guy this guy's a fucking stellar performer, and he was nominated for uh, his supporting role in The Last Samurai from 2003. But, yeah, he's kind of one of those guys that if you are really into film and you're into into into, into some, you know, into actors and kind of, you know, figuring out, okay, that guy's popping up over and over in all these kinds of different movies and even Inception, uh, you know, Batman Begins. He is fantastic. He is wonderful. And I love him in Batman Begins, you know, as kind of the decoy racial ghoul right uh so just great touch if they'd gone actually you know ethnically accurate for racial ghoul he would have been a fantastic choice <laughs> yeah but you know i i like the his inclusion in this film uh his brief bit at the beginning is really cool when you think he really is racial ghoul um i adore him in uh letters from Jima. like that was such oh, a powerful man. film yeah, that's that's one of that's one of Eastwood's best films. Yeah, mm, absolutely. And um, even his bit in um in Godzilla as like the Japanese scientist who totally understands these creatures and it's just no, let them fight. We can't do anything about this. Just let them handle their business. And yeah, he's he's one of those guys who's always going to add a little bit of gravitas to whatever film he's in. I'm like, you know, I see him and I'm like, oh, nice. This is gonna be good. Fucking- fucking ken's here let's go yeah 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 he, he is one of those he is definitely one of those one of those cats that will just he's not never gonna take away he'll always add he's one of those character actors that totally fucking that's it uh i would say a guy who gets it even more is uh, gary oldman uh jesus christ you know one of the best actors one of the best actors of our time uh of course he's playing gordon in the dark knight trilogy and this guy can do an american accent i'll tell you what uh he in fact when i was a kid i was like you know i had no idea i had no idea this guy was you know a, you know a brit you know i had no idea and 
as I got older, you know, you, you start to realize, okay, okay. And uh, he, he's at the tippy top, I think, of when you're talking about just straight up talent and range and ability to adapt to any kind of film. Uh, I think Gary Oldman's one of the first guys you should think of. He was nominated for Best Actor in a Lead Role, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, 2011, stellar stuff. Uh, then he was the winner of the Best Actor in a Lead Role, Darkest Hour, 2017. And then just last year, he was nominated for Mank, Best Actor in a Lead Role. So pretty cool little filmography, or uh, sorry, resume, but his actual filmography is uh, just fucking incredible. Uh, what, what's your, what are your favorites? Jesus, I don't even know where to start. Gary Oldman may be my favorite actor of all time. He, he's certainly been there. Like whenever I try to rank, he's the, one of the first guys I think of. I recently discovered that he has never used the same accent twice. He does a different accent somehow in every film he's ever done, which is incredible. I didn't even know a human being could do that. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know a human being could be in JFK playing Lee Harvey Oswald and then be in True Romance two years later playing Drexel fucking Spivey. You know, like, talk, that's, that's acting. That's acting. Oh, boy. Okay, favorite Gary Oldman. This is, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to try to stand on ceremony. I'm not going to try to impress. I'm going to just be honest here. I really, really like Lost in Space. Totally fair. I get it. Terrible movie. Yes. It's, but he is such a great slimy bad guy as Dr. Smith. He's just perfect. Uh, and he did that around the same time he did The Fifth Element, another absolute favorite of mine. Zorg is such a, a weird villain with the like plastic half cone on his forehead, his inexplicable Southern accent. It, I don't, whatever. I buy it. Olden sells that shit. Um, Fuck yeah. Uh, he did a movie called Immortal Beloved, which I really liked. It's a story of Beethoven and like his death and his secretary found a letter addressed to my immortal beloved. And he tries to track down this mystery woman who Beethoven was in love with. It's a true, it's a real story. Um, in real life, the woman was never discovered, but in the movie, of course she was discovered. It's a movie. And Oldman does such a great job as Beethoven. It, it got widely ignored for some reason, but it's, he's so good. Uh, and then of course, uh, Leon, the professional. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Christ. Ah, uh, did anybody have a better nineties run than this guy? No. No, and he start. And my my favorite is is at the very beginning of the '90s, uh, "State of Grace." Uh, he's so fucking good in that movie, and he's 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 a uh, this is like a Austin Johnson fucking Hall of Fame class right here in uh, in "State of Grace." It's Sean Penn, Ed Harris, Gary Oldman, John Turturro, John C. Riley, and Robin Wright. Like, fuck, br- bring it on, you know, <laughs> bring bring that shit, bring the noise. The there, yeah, that movie the movie's thoroughly underrated and he is so good in it and that was when i was young when i saw that i you know i just kind of stumbled upon it on tv one day and i was like okay i need to like really see this and you know he's he's a new yorker in that movie and i was just like jesus this guy like can do anything he's a fucking chameleon and you know of course as i get older i see true romance and you know just saw jfk for the first time a couple you know maybe a year ago on this show um Fuck, man. I, the Fifth Element. I love The Fifth Element. I love him in The Fifth Element. Uh, I, you could go on and on. Um, what's another random one I like? I fucking love Mysterious Black. Like, Jesus, he's great as Serious Black. Um, I like... Uh, have you seen Dead Fish? I like that movie, too. I have not seen Dead Fish. Uh, 
but I will because it's Gary Oldman. I'll watch anything yeah. this guy touches. Exactly. Um, yeah. Hannibal is a favorite of mine. I think that movie gets a lot yes. of undue hate because it's not Jodie Foster. Like, get over it. Besides that, it's a really good movie. Um, Gary Oldman is, you know, the crazy pedophile who cut off his own face because Hannibal drugged him and now he wants vengeance. Beautiful. And he's so creepy in that movie. God, yeah. Yeah, this is this is definitely of all you know, we've talked about Bale, Kane, Neeson, Watanabe. This is my favorite guy we've talked about so far, is 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 Oldman. And the one guy who could rival that that we're gonna talk about is Mr. Tom fucking Wilkinson. Oh my god. I <laughs> Tom Wilkinson's the shit. And as we found out on this show, uh we've brought him up twice properly on this show through one of our very first, I want to say it was our fourth episode ever or somewhere in there. We did in the bedroom from 2001 and he was nominated for that film. And then not that long ago, we did a best picture showdown for no country for old men, you know, there'll be blood, uh, Michael Clayton, uh, Juno and atonement. And, you know, of course, Tom Wilkinson's one of the best parts of Michael Clayton and he was nominated for that as well. <laughs> so the, those are two really cool nominations to have in the bedroom and, uh, uh, Michael Clayton. Those are those are two very very different roles, very different things he's doing. But it's it's his it's his Carmine that I fell in love with, and I was like, I need to know who this man is, you know. And we'll be talking a lot about him later. I think, <laughs> at least I will. So I don't want to I don't want to spoil too much about just how effective he is uh, in his short time on Begin Batman Begins. Yeah. But fuck, I wanted more. You could have just sent a thank you note. Like just, it's, oh my God. Um, <laughs> I, I love Tom Wilkinson. He's an amazing character actor. Uh, I recently watched Rock and Rolla. And uh, he plays Lenny Cole, a vicious uh, London crime boss. And of course he does. <laughs> like he's just, he does such a great job specifically as like a gangster. He's really good at that. Uh, damn, I'm looking through his thing here. Um, his, his brief bit at the beginning of Grand Budapest. I love. Oh, perfect. His kid, yeah. his kid walks in with like a little toy gun and fucks up his narration. <laughs> yeah, it's so Wes Anderson and perfect. Yeah. Uh, the Patriot. He plays General Cornwallis, the head of England's army against the rambunctious, cheeky colonists. And he is so over the top, proper English, but also like. You don't get the vibe that this is personal for him. He's very much like, this is a job. We're just going to calm this shit. And then we're going to go back to trading with these people because they are our brethren. Meanwhile, Jason Isaacs is like, kill them all. They're traitors. It's just him having to kind of calm that wild fucking horse is such a cool touch to that movie, especially because Cornwallis was a real person. Yes. And just, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great guy. I love, I love him. Wonderful actor. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a little over seven years old now, and I, I just hope people appreciate him. You know, give him his give him his flowers. You know, the guy the guy's been around for a long time, doing great stuff. Have you seen the full Monty? Oh, of course, yeah, yes. <laughs> what has a to be strange that, movie, but ha, so that good. has to be mentioned. Yeah, yeah, he's fucking great in that. Yeah, he he kind of he kind of does that thing that I love with, with people, even if I don't like the movie, I'm at least going to love what Tom Wilkinson's doing. And yeah, that, that's, that's the best yeah. stuff from a character actor. Yeah. 
It's exactly what I thought about the Lone Ranger. I'm like, this is kind of a dumb movie, but he's really giving it his all here. Yeah, yeah. There's the there's this film from like 2013 or 2014 uh, called Felony that Joel Egerton directed. It's not a great movie. It's entertaining, but Tom Wilkinson is fucking awesome in it. And there's a couple scenes where uh, Egerton and, and Wilkinson are in a car together, and you're like, Wilkinson's just fucking laying the smackdown, you know. And he's so good at just kind of fucked up, crooked dialogue. He's so good at it. Uh, that's that gangster shit that you're talking about. Yeah, I always forget he's the bad guy in Rush Hour. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Tom Wilkinson. Why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Tom Wilkinson's a, a man who has graced the stage many times in his career and is a, a proper actor who just kind of can't do anything else. You know, he, just, he loves playing characters, and that's, that's the best. All right, last, last performer. Can you guess who it is? Gee, I wonder. <laughs> Got to be Mr. Morgan Freeman. Oh, man. Morgan Freeman was brought up not too long ago on this show when we did Shawshank Redemption. Uh, of course, he's, he's doing some, some crazy good shit in that movie. But, uh, you know, he's got, he's got a few other nominations. Uh, Street Smart, 1987, Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Drive Miss Daisy, 1989, Best Actor in a Lead Role. Shawshank Redemption, 1994, Best Actor in a Lead Role. And then he won for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, 2004, Million Dollar Baby. And then Final nomination. Uh, hope there's more to come. Uh, Invictus, 2009, Best Actor Lead Role. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's neat and all. You know, that's a cool resume. But, uh, man, Morgan Freeman has so, 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 so much to offer. He's just a titan. And he's one of those, he's one of those probably five to ten voices that it doesn't matter where you're hearing it. You know who it is. You don't have any second guesses. You know, when you're watching trailers for animated movies, you're kind of like, oh, who's that? Before the, before the name comes up, you're like, I wonder who that's going to be. With Morgan Freeman, it requires no thinking. You just, you just know. I think it's safe to say I liked Morgan from the start. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> missed my friend, Andy Dufresne. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's obviously Shawshank is my all-time favorite uh, Morgan Freeman performance, but Seven is right up there. So okay. close. And what's great about Seven is how much Seven was there in the new Batman. Come on. Oh. Seven, Seven, Zodiac, Watchmen, just a fucking brainchild of all, the, of all those movies. And, uh, you it, know, I was, in, I was in heaven. I saw it at Draft House, and the Seven trailer was part of the pre-show. Like, oh. beautiful. <laughs> That's so badass. Yeah, I love that. I mean, he plays God. He plays God in, you know, in the Almighty movies, Bruce and Evan. So, yeah, I mean, Morgan Freeman is the only guy who could probably play God and none of us are going to complain. <laughs> yeah, it's he just has this this presence. And yeah, he takes a lot of paycheck gigs. You know, he played <laughs> he played Ryan Reynolds dad in Hitman's wife's bodyguard. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it was like briefly like um, uh, Samuel Jackson mentions like he's like, but you're white. And he's like, I'm adopted. You racist. Like, why would you see color like that? Like, he does a whole thing. It's, it's a funny movie. It's stupid, but it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's the man. I, I, I enjoy Morgan Freeman's performances. Doesn't seem to be showing any signs of slowing down. Dude's, I think, in his, like, late 70s now. Yeah, yeah. And just, you know, still cranking him out. He's one of the few bits of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that I think works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's a great shout-out. 
love that guy. Love, love Morgan. Uh, I'm with you. Shawshank is, is where it's at. I think that's, that's his, uh, his, his goat performance. I do. I do remember uh, when I first saw lucky number 11, I was like, Oh yeah. What the fuck? I was like, no way. Is that red? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just one of those things when you're, when you're a kid and you're watching stuff and you just, your, your mind gets totally blown. Yeah. But what a, what a, what an awesome cast. What a great group of actors here. And this is just the Oscar nominated people. Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Ken Watanabe, Gary Oldman, Tom Wilkinson, and Morgan Freeman. Like talk about a bunch of kick-ass dudes, you know? Yeah. And outside that, you know, for the non-Oscar nominated people, you've got fucking Rutger Hauer, Richard Brake, uh, Linus Roach. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. incredible people. Uh, Killian Murphy, of course. Yeah. Who is going to get his Oscar nomination, I think, from uh, Nolan's next movie. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He'll he'll get his. <laughs> he'll, he'll get his for sure. I wish he would have been up, you know, for uh, 20 days later. That, just, that movie didn't have enough enough behind it, I think, to be that kind of a film. Uh, but it's one of those when you look back, you're like, uh, he was he was pretty amazing in that. Him and Naomi Harris probably should have been nominated. But uh, yeah. that's, you know, that's that's the way of the Oscars. When you do it so soon after the movies come out, it doesn't give him enough room to breathe. Anyways, Murphy will be there uh, one day. We'll, we'll definitely bring him up on some kind of show on Oscar Sunday. I'm very certain of it. Um, I want to talk about a few of the, um, you know, crew members here. We can kind of, we can kind of breeze through these. Cause these are, these are fucking Christopher Nolan guys. Uh, first up is Wally, Wally Fister, the cinematographer. Uh, he was nominated for Batman begins the prestige, the dark Knight, <laughs> And then he won for inception. So all four Christopher Nolan films. So again, when you think Christopher Nolan and you're like, Oh, I love Christopher Nolan films or I don't like Christopher Nolan films or whatever you're going to say. Fister is one of those names that you need to attach to Nolan. It's not just a Nolan film. It's also a Fister film. He's the one who is, is, is in charge of that camera and is making those moves and making those decisions. And my God, does he make some good decisions throughout Nolan's career? Oh my God. The way the dark Knight trilogy looks is just really neat it's a batman world like that at the at the time we hadn't really seen uh so well done on that wally i'm looking through his uh resume here um he's the director of photography for moneyball <laughs> yes yeah worked with bennett miller on that one yeah that's a that's a match made in heaven it, him bennett miller and aaron sorkin is like okay <laughs> yeah talk about some all-stars yeah, that's cool. He also directed Taco Bell, Web of Fries 2, Franchise Wars. I guess we can't all be winners. That's uh, fine. You know, every now and again, you got to do a little little something to fill your fill your Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know what? The guy shot the Dark Knight trilogy. Honestly, he could retire today and get free drinks for that for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 definitely definitely true. Um Next guy, Lee Smith, the film editor for Batman Begins. Uh, he was nominated for Dark Knight. He won for Dunkirk. And then you go back to a Peter Weir, Peter Weir film that I love, Master Commander, Far Side of the World, 2003. He was also nominated for that. So this is this guy, fucking, hey, he can, he can really do his job. I think, uh, I think Nolan films are probably quite difficult to wrap your head around and chop up. And he's done a lot of them, you know, uh, that's, you know, he's also the film editor for 19. I feel like that movie with Deacons at the, at the, you know, behind the camera and a lot of, you know, quote unquote, one take things going on. 
I don't think there was a lot to chop up. I think it was more like, all right, Deacons, every now and again, you got to breathe. <laughs> you know, it was more of a words of encouragement. <laughs> I'd love if it was just one take and like Lee goes into the editor's room and he's just like, looks at it and just walks out. <laughs> like, just yeah. like my work is Good. done. <laughs> yeah. Deacons, you've done uh, your job. Yeah. But, but Lee Smith, you know, he's got, He's got X-Men first class. He's got, you know, the prestige from, from Nolan as well. He's got Spectre, James fucking Bond, you know, a lot of, a lot of the Nolan films. So he's got a pretty cool, cool filmography. I feel like editing Nolan has got to be tough because Nolan's probably right there over his shoulder, monitoring every aspect of that and Mm. personally determining what stays and what goes. And I don't think Lee has probably a lot of say in that. Yeah, it would be interesting to be in the room for that, right? To like really see who's the who's the master, who's the head, and who's the neck. You know, who's going to actually turn the neck or turn the head? Uh, my favorite movie that appears on here is The Truman Show, which I'm now remembering. We definitely talked about Lee Smith back when we did The Truman Show a long time ago. Uh, I'm remembering now this guy's face and the glasses and everything. What a great movie! Yeah, I look back fondly on The Truman Show. <laughs> So. Oh yeah, I, I I adore the Truman Show. I think it's just for me a masterpiece, and for most people, probably should be. It's it it's fucking awesome. Uh, so Lee Smith, Wally Fister, these guys are really important to Nolan's uh, career, as well as uh, Nathan Crowley, uh, production designer. Uh, you you just don't have this stuff without someone setting everything up, making it look the way it does. Props. You know, there's there's got to be some magic there, and I think production design is where a lot of magic happens that people don't respect enough. Uh, check this out. This is this is this is a pretty crazy run. Uh, the Prestige nominated for best art direction. The Dark Knight art direction. Interstellar production design. Dunkirk production design. First Man. Holy shit. Production design. And Tenet production design. I this guy. I I, I would have a headache just working on one of these movies, but all of them, the guy clearly likes space. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's very good at crafting a, like Nolan's vision of atmosphere. I mean, just look at the prestige. I think that film has maybe the most impressive production design of Nolan's run personally. I, I uh, agree. I agree. Yeah. Turn of the century, major city. I don't know. Was it in London or New York? It's been a minute. That uh, one's in, that one's in, it has been a minute. You're right. Uh, I think it's London. Yeah. I think so. Okay. I'll take make it. sure. I'll look it up right now. Okay. 1890s London. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going to say they're, they both have an accent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this guy's incredibly talented. Um, I'm looking outside his Oscar resume. Um, he did an episode of Westworld, which is pretty cool. Um, Insomnia. Uh, John Carter. What a hot one. The greatest showman. Very cool. Uh how does hmm, Ron's gone wrong? How do you do production design on an animated film? I don't know. I I've I've often wondered what does that entail, especially you know, and like Roger Deakins did the cinematography for uh, Rango, and I'm like, huh. Well, what all do you do with all that? You know, I'm I'm sure you you know have a lot. You're like it's like a consultation type thing, but I wonder what their like day to day job was on set for that kind of stuff. You know, when you're working with computer animated stuff. I wonder if they like sketched this stuff out and then like, like you said, consulted with the animators to make it 
as real as possible? I don't know. That's a good question. You know what? Before next week's episode, we should do some research on that. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. I like that. I like that. That's a good that's a good thing for me to do some homework on and kind of kind of learn about. So why not? Uh, Okay, last two guys, you know who they are. You know, you know, you know who the last two guys are. It's the motherfucking composing duo of James Newton Howard and Hans Zimmer. Does it get any better than that? <laughs> These guys together. I think James Newton Howard is one of Hans Zimmer's uh, proteges, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And just working together on this score that has, do you think the, the, the Nolan trilogy Batman music is, like, is as iconic as Elfman's at this point? I do. I do. Especially in my mind. I've listened to aggressive expansion like uh, a thousand times. You know, I, I love that, that, that track. My favorite track off the dark night is it's called Harvey two face. Mm, yeah. Classic. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. These guys rock. Uh, this, this so music I, of, I, yeah. I actually, I actually wonder Newton Howard's actually older. I wonder who he's six years older. I wonder who led who I wonder if one of them, I don't know. Maybe we can, uh, kind of figure it out here. I don't know. Um, all right, I'm going to look through that. Um, Hans Zimmer is completely self-taught. God. So I, that's amazing. Uh, the only composer to do two scores for Batman films under two different directors. He also did the Batman versus Superman music. The fuck. That's cool. Um, oh, I'm trying to find this. Um, I'm assuming because he's completely self-taught that he probably led this he probably taught james newton howard if they were if they had that kind of relationship and and you know as far as the oscars go uh hans zimmer breaks in first in 1989 uh after rain man uh you know in 1988 best picture winner so uh then he wins for the lion king 1994 uh james newton howard breaks through uh 1991 prince of tides and he has not won James Newton Howard. He has nine nominations and no wins. That's that sucks. I hate when a composer has like not even one win. Um, uh, Hans Zimmer only has the one win off like twelve nominations. The guy's a fucking freak. Okay, so I don't. I'm I'm looking. I don't think. I think they just are colleagues. I don't think either taught either one. I was okay. under the impression that they were like master and student in some way, but I, I don't think they were. I think they were just accomplished filmmakers who came together to do the Batman music. It was like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, just like, let's do this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's crush everything in our path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, that's cool as fuck. I adore James Newton Howard's score for The Village. It may not be a great movie, but his music is superb. Mm. I like that. That's a good shout out. Uh, I'm really into... From Newton Howard. God, this is a while. I'm really, really into Michael Clayton's score, 2007. Um, Defiance is an underrated film, and, and the music music's awesome in that. Hans Zimmer, though, is just like, take your pick your poison. I mean, the guy's been involved with so many massive, massive films and franchises. You just got, you can't go wrong. I feel like we've talked about Hans Zimmer more than any composer. On, on this show he just he's his fingers are in so many pies yeah i was just i was just thinking about that in my head i was like i wonder if zimmer is like the king of this show <laughs> i th- i think he may be and deacons we've talked a lot about deacons so you know uh just our one of our our biggest award of the show is named after him and um 
Yeah, fascinating. Zimmer, our music award is called the Ennio Morricone just because we have the utmost respect for him and him kind of being this like guy who didn't get his get his due until later on. Uh, but like our music award could be called the Zimmer or the Newton Howard. You know, these guys are that good. Yeah, there's very few like bad film composers. Like everyone, it's a talent that just speaks for itself. I mean, you're composing music. Like that is an incredible skill to have. Mm. And to, to add that to film is just gravy. I feel like if these guys weren't, you know, film composers for movies, they'd be touring with symphonies, you know, composing their own concertos and shit, like fucking Beethoven and Mozart. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That's a really good point that composing music is probably not probably it is more badass and a cooler talent than even directing a movie. <laughs> it's just such like, the power you have of an orchestra you know that power is so 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 cool uh huge fan of soundtracks and needle drops and you know that kind of stuff but there's nothing like a good score i mean when i think of so like all the films that would be so much less without the the music just kind of leading the scene it's such an essential part of the filmmaking process i mean movies had music before they had fucking dialogue yeah yeah that's a great point is that sound is ultimately more important than like words um and and speaks higher volumes when you feel when you feel that thing you know like when the shawshank intro plays you're like you feel so many emotions going through your body and that's that's like the power of cinema you know (laughs) well i think of wings which we did on the show a while back which yeah episode 10, I think uh, 11 somewhere in there or in there, but the, that film has no dialogue. It's the you know first film to win best picture. It's fully, fully silent. And it moved me to tears just from the music and the scene of, you know, the one guy returning to his friend's family and saying like, I, I'm, I couldn't save him. And you just, you see the haunt in his eyes and the music. Like I, I was crying for a film that's almost a hundred years old to do that to me. That's the power of music, man. Yeah, God, yeah, I love it. I love talking about these composers. It's one of my favorite things we we do. We just we just discussed thirteen individuals. You know, Batman Begins. Uh, Batman Begins has a lot of like heavy hitters, and you can you know you can thank guys like Newton and Zimmer, uh, Newton Howard and Zimmer, who just yeah they're just they just shine bright no matter what. But you know, think think the the camaraderie of Nolan and Fister and Lee Smith and Nathan Crowley, these guys who've worked together for like nine movies and through one vision. And that is so special. That is something I would like, I would love to be a part of. I'd give my fucking left hand to be a part of something like that. You know, uh, this building of something creative over and over and over the repetition of it is so cool. And then out of that, you get conversations like this where there's just nothing you can do, but kind of praise the work. And, I love that. Yeah, I love praising the work. That's the entire reason I started the whole fucking podcast thing is because I wanted to praise the work. And then you guys also wanted to praise the work. And here we are. Yeah. And you're like, that works out great. Uh, That's awesome. Um, Thank you for sticking with us. You know, this has been a long, fun episode. We're going to we're going to give out our awards very soon here. There's only one category that we need to look at at the 78th Academy Awards, and it is a good category. Uh, it is Best Cinematography. Uh, we have Batman Begins, Wally Fister, 
Brokeback Mountain, Rodrigo Prieto. Good night and good luck, Robert Elswit, the legend. The New World, Emmanuel Lubeski, and Memoirs of a Geisha, Dion Beeb, or I'm not sure how to say that last name. Uh, probably BB, but BB Dion BB. That's a cool name. I like that name. <laughs> uh, I have seen all of these except for the winner, which is funny. I have not seen Memoirs of a Geisha or the New World. Uh, haven't really, you know, been wanting <laughs> to go back to Malik after the Tree of Life. Uh, I, I probably said this. Uh, so with with Terrence Malick, the movies that I think you would like the most are are, are the, the the first couple, which are shorter, right? You know, especially Days of Heaven, Richard Gere. I think you'd really respond to that movie. But I know you're a huge history buff, and the New World is an account of a proper account of Pocahontas. You know, and you got you got Colin Farrell and Christian Bale like battling for Pocahontas's heart. Fuck yeah, like that's awesome. <laughs> And, and you have my favorite cinematographer of all time, along with Deacons, is Emmanuel Lebeski, who just is a freak of nature and is like an athlete with the camera. Um, I've, I've never witnessed someone who's more outside of the box than Emmanuel. And he's done some of my favorite movies and their movies are so pretty and so engaging. And the new world is very long. It's like three hours, I think. And, um, uh, it's not the easiest thing to just watch, but yeah, it was on Criterion one day. I watched it and I was like, oh, this is fucking great. So actually that, that probably would get my vote out of this one. Um, I love, I love Fister's work in Batman Begins. I have no problem with that. And Rodrigo and for Brokeback Mountain. Good God. Really? And Robert Elswick, Good Night and Gluck's a good fucking movie and it looks amazing. So this is a good category. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Lubezki's a guy I want to start paying more attention to after I, you know, we discovered he had his own, uh, exhibit at the Academy Museum, which yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Uh, chills, chills. And <laughs> the new world, I'll, I'll probably, I'll watch it at some point is Pocahontas in real life was like 12 and any yeah, movie that yeah. fucks with that immediately loses points in my head, but that's the history buff in me. And I got to put that aside from time to time. I mean, I'm, I've watched so many biopics that are full of shit and still enjoyed them. <laughs> so yeah, doesn't matter. You know, Braveheart yeah. didn't fucking happen. I still love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and your, your man, Christopher Plummer is in uh is in the new world and he's amazing in that movie. So I think you would enjoy some of the casting. It is, it is, it is fucking Malik. It's slow. It's like, vroom, look at this. And then, you know, thoughts and narration in my head of, What's happening? You know, what drugs am I on? <laughs> it's, 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 it's Malik. It's Malik for sure. It's modern Malik too. It's post, you know, it's, it's post, uh, you know, his, his comeback. And after his comeback, after being away for like 15 years from filmmaking, I, he just got, got weirder and got stranger and his movies got longer <laughs> and, you know, uh, the world is on the, the, the post side of that. I love the guy. Love Malik. He lives like, an hour and a half away from where I'm at. So, and very close to where you're at. So, uh, uh yeah, I, I, I have a lot of respect for the dude and Emmanuel Besky has even more respect for me. We are oh God. So there's a very real chance I could just randomly run into Terrence Mallet. He doesn't really, uh, do much. He's kind of, you know, kind of a homebody. What a shock. <laughs> yeah. He likes to just watch the grass go by, you know, uh, Likes to watch the wind go through the grass as he's sitting on his lawn chair or something. I don't know. Jesus Christ. It's like the anti-James Cameron. 
Yeah, yeah. James Cameron's like, <laughs> movies. Yeah, I gotta get with the people. Yeah. Uh, um, I give I love this them both. A, yeah, I, <laughs> I give this award to Brokeback Mountain. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't argue that. That film is near flawless. It's one of the most powerful love stories I've ever seen, and it's filmed so beautifully. Just the scope of the mountain itself is like gargantuan. It's daunting and really kind of represents the strike the hill they have to climb if they're going to be together and i love how the film does that um yeah this is (sighs) cinematography goes to brokeback mountain god you know i'm fucking you know this is the first time we've ever ever brought up the 78th academy and it's because it's because of my personal problems with it you know um this is the most angry i could possibly be about a best picture category and not necessarily the category altogether, but what one, <clears throat> you know, driving Miss Daisy really, really makes me upset. Cause a lot of 1989 movies were great, but uh crash beating broke back is just a, is a fucking disaster. And I, I'm with you. It's near perfection It is wonderful. And Ang Lee is at his very best. And um, you know, it's like, I don't even want to like go there. Cause it's like, oh, I don't want to fucking talk about crash. Like, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to watch it. I own it because I try to own all the best picture movies, best picture winners. But God, I fucking don't like that movie. It's just not for me. And uh, broke back is, is just so far up Austin alley, you know, and it's such a gorgeous piece of work. I love Capote. I love good night and good luck. I love Munich. All those movies are just way better than crash. And I hate, hate when that happens. Uh, so that I, I'm just, I've always like dreaded doing this ceremony and I'm glad we're doing Batman Begins because it's just in that cinematography category, you know, and it's a movie that means so much more than the Oscars, you know, Batman Begins is, was a box office success and this huge, huge catapult for, for the trilogy and all these other things, you know, but one day we will properly go into the 78th Academy Awards and really really kind of, you know, buckle down and, and talk about that kind of stuff, even though it's going to hurt. I've not yet watched Crash because of that exact reason, because I know I'm A, going to hate it, and B, going to have to talk about it on this show. So I don't want to have to watch it twice. <laughs> so I'm waiting until we do the show, because I've seen the other four nominees multiple times. Yeah, uh, good so, movies, yeah. Yeah, great movies. And uh, so it's just kind of waiting there, you know? I'm sure it's going to be, I still remember Jack Nicholson's face when he announced it. He was like, huh, <laughs> like didn't expect that. He was very much like this. That's weird. Which is yeah, because yeah, Brokeback goes into the, the ceremony with eight, eight nominations. And it's like, okay, it's, it's there. It's, it's Brokeback's night, you know, and it just, just didn't, didn't fucking happen. And it makes me really sad. Uh, one of the coolest things about this ceremony though, is before we get to our awards is the honorary award went to Robert Altman. The, the 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 legend himself, Robert Altman, and that's 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 pretty pretty fucking cool. So I I love that love that about it. There are some great films represented at this ceremony too, uh, like King Kong, awesome fucking movie. Uh, Squid and the Whale, Noah Baumbach, great great uh, indie film. Syriana, um, let's see what else is here. Walk the Line, fuck yeah, you know these are there's some there's some good films here that I would love to talk about. So. Maybe I should just not focus too much on the fact that we're going to talk about Crash, but the fact that we're going to talk about all these great films. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, we've touched, you know, 1989 a few times without having to go full into driving Miss Daisy. So there are ways around it. You know, we've had some blasts with our dead poets and our do the right thing episodes. So yeah, 05 certainly has more to offer than just the crash travesty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. We've done 1989 three times. It's, I think we've covered the year we've covered more is 2001, I believe, because we've done fucking Shrek uh, in the bedroom, Fellowship of the Ring, uh, Black Hawk uh, Down, Mulholland Drive. We've done like five movies from 2001 because it's a, I love 2001. Uh, And of course, you know, for our 50th episode, we did basically talked about all three Lord of the Rings movies and that was an absolute blast. So yeah, you know, you know, it can, it can happen. In 1989, yeah, we did those two. We did Do the Right Thing and Dead Poets, just two through and through masterpieces. And then we did uh, When Harry Met Sally, which is a fun as shit movie. So, yeah, I, I think we can come back 2005 without, you know, getting too too rowdy. I would also love to honor Philip Seymour Hoffman with his win in Capote. Uh, you know, just our, you know, I think our mutual favorite actor of all time. So that would be cool to kind of kind of cover that film. Well, should we uh, get to our awards here? Why not? All right. I'll let you start off with your uh, Tarantino, our best quote. And then uh, we can do Ennio Morcone, best music award, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, best performance award, and the Roger Deakins, best scene award. So what's your Tarantino? I have two lines. Uh, one, just a quick one that always gives me chills. It's, uh, it's when Batman ca- uh, captures Flass for information. And... He's, you know, he yells at Flash like, where were the other drugs going? And Flash is like, I don't know. I swear to God. And he yells, swear to me. And then drops him off the roof. God damn. It's pure Batman. <laughs> so badass. Yeah. <laughs> so badass. <laughs> um, and then my other one is right at the beginning of the movie when Bruce encounters uh, Ducard, who we later learn is the real Raish Al Ghul. And uh, Ducard, you know, Bruce asks, like, oh, you're just, you're vigilantes. And Bruce, or uh, Ducard responds, no, a vigilante is just a man lost in the scramble for his own gratification. He can be destroyed or locked up. But if you make yourself more than just a man, if you devote yourself to an ideal, and if they can't stop you, then you become something else entirely. Bruce asks, which is? And Ducard says, legend, Mr. Wayne. Oh, man. Like, he can see Bruce's future as clear as fucking day right there. And just it's such a good nod to the, to the audience about like what Batman represents. He's a symbol. He's an ideal to strive for. And I love that that's the approach they took with Batman in this trilogy. Oh, God, I love that line. I actually I wrote that one down, but I have I have another Ducard film that I like uh, uh, Ducard quote that I like. Uh, that, that one's the best, though. This, the, the way he says scramble is so fucking cool. I love, I, I love that one, and I love the one when he's like, uh, are you ready to begin? And Bruce is like, I can't stand up. He's like, Your enemies will not fucking wait for you to stand up. So cool. I think, I think this goes back to what I was originally saying at the beginning of the episode of the origin stuff like, is like really fucking good in this movie, and that's, that's rare for me as a fan. I think I think that's why it kind of fits in this really interesting, you know, part of, uh, of superhero films for me, because most of the time I like the ones that are either the second film or the third film or whatever. We don't have to do all this explaining. 
But for some reason, in Batman Begins, I really dig that stuff. I really respond to it and I respect it. But I also, I also like, you know, there's some Dr. Crane quotes I like a lot, you know, like Dr. Crane isn't here right now, but if you'd like to make an appointment, <laughs> it's like, I, I love, I love that little stuff, you know? And I, I think this movie has got a, got like a kick-ass screenplay. And I'll, there's a, this is one of those times where in the screenplay, I kind of it just stuff just starts fucking floating through my brain, you know? And I'm like, Oh, it could go to this. It could go to that. It could go to this. But I think the stuff between Ducard and Bruce at the beginning of the film, when they're just kind of like figuring out philosophies is, is genius. Oh, it's great. It's, uh, you know, like if you, if you are completely like unschooled, like unschooled in Batman, you, you get like almost no hints that this guy's like a psycho, like that his Mm -hmm. plan is to murder millions of people. Like you really believe that he's a mentor who wants to help Bruce find a path. And that's because, you know, Liam Neeson is just so believable as a, as a teacher. Hell yeah. That's, that's a great, great fucking point. Do you like, uh, do you like the quote when he says, if someone stands in the way of justice, you simply walk up behind them and stab them in the heart. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Some dark shit, you know? I love that. One of my favorite little things that just, I never noticed is that Bruce is unwilling to kill this, this farmer turned murderer. And Ducard's like, you know, Bruce, please, there's no turning back. Like, and then, after, you know, in refusing to kill this guy, Bruce then burns down an entire house of ninjas, kills like 50 people. Mm. But, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. One of my favorite lines that I didn't write down comes from Crane towards the end of the movie when Scarecrow is in full effect and he yells, there's nothing to fear but fear himself. Yes. Like, Fuck, that's Scarecrow right there. <laughs> Or, or, uh, or when he's showing Rachel, uh, like what they're doing, and he's like, "This is where we make the medicine. Perhaps you should have some. Clear your head." <laughs> she just starts running, just frightened. I love uh, just, cr- I love just Crane like zapped out of his fucking head in the straitjacket, just going scarecrow, scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's some creepy shit. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I love yeah. I love that Wilkinson and, and Murphy both get their go at just being fucking freaks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. This movie's got a lot, a lot of like really, really good lines, good one-liners, you know, taste of your own medicine doctor, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I like, I like how I, I'd like to think this is a shout out. I don't know if it is, or if there's any connection, but at, at one point, uh, you know, uh, at the beginning, Rachel Ghoul uh, says, impressive after bruce is defeating ducard right and then uh i think of i think of fucking spider-man when willem dafoe is green goblins like impressive <laughs> i just I, I love those like random connections of dialogue with with superhero movies because it happens it fucking happens and that's just a cool word for a bad guy to say to a hero yeah. impressive yeah <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> i also i also yeah i could go on I also really like Lucius Fox and Bruce Wayne when they're talking, like when he's seeing all this stuff for the first time and he's like, oh, I can have this. This is mine. And Lucius Fox and he's, I love when he's like, don't play me for an idiot, you know? And then Bruce Wayne's like, okay, okay, fair enough. And then he just looks at the Tumblr and he's like, what's that? He's like, oh, that's the Tumblr. You wouldn't be interested in that. 
so awesome. And then he's like, does it come in black? Yeah, like fucking cool as hell. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised, you know, when I picked these awards or when we have to prepare these awards for, 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 these, for these episodes, I always am reminded just how much I love certain screenplays, you know, and this award, the Tarantino, always kind of just, just causes me to kind of come outside my box and figure out, figure out exactly what I love about the writing. And with the Begins, I realized, I think the screenplay is stronger than it gets credit for. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this was... You know, like I said, a return to form. This is the rebirth of Batman in film. This had to be perfect. And the, the screenplay is almost perfect. It's every character shines. It knows exactly how to handle everybody's, you know, importance to the story. Nobody's left in the dirt. Everyone, it, it all works. The dialogue is perfect. And the origin stuff never feels, you know, forced. Like this feels like a natural progression for the character. It's, it's great. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Uh, Jesus, here comes a, here comes a tough one. The Ennio Morricone Award. We're talking about Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard again. What, what of this score speaks out to you the most? What was, what was your Tarantino again? Mine was the same as yours, but then I just went on a rant of all the other ones I like too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I, you could go, you could just scroll through IMDb quotes and just be like, oh yeah, that one, that one, that one. <laughs> yeah, the one I wrote down, I, I, I usually write down like a couple words that remind me of it, and I wrote down scramble, and uh, you know, oh. that's where I, that's where I was in IMDb, and I was like, damn it, Connor's on the same wavelength as me tonight, <laughs> <laughs> talking about Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, and fucking Ducard. <laughs> oh man, my Morricone moment. Um, I love this Batman score. Uh, the moment I knew what it was. It's the first thing I wrote down, actually. It's when Bruce discovers what will become the Batcave. And the bats start swirling around him and he cowers. And then all of a sudden he starts standing up and embracing the bats and the music swells into kind of just like the Dark Knight's theme, you know, the wah kind of thing. Like, I I fucking love that part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that kind of like droning, like boom, boom, boom. That became very famous in in, in uh, uh, Nolan's movies at large. You know, that kind of just like overpowering. You can't escape. Um, my my favorite moment. I I know exactly what you're talking about. And the, the names of these, maybe it's beyond my head, but the names of these like pieces are all very interesting. And I wondered if you knew what what they were. Yeah. Um. It's an it's a puzzle. Um, in the order that they appear on the album, the first letter of each track spells out Batman. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, I see that right now. Yeah. That's badass. Yeah, pretty cool. That's fucking cool as shit. Uh, I don't I don't know which one it is. I was listening to it all day today, and you know, I was but I was also listening to the Batman score, and I was like getting real confused. Uh, <laughs> my favorite my favorite is during during that car chase. And when you have all the cops who are like, wait, what color, <laughs> color and model, you know, and they're like, uh, it's a black, uh, tank. <laughs> and the music that's happening there is just this swelling, like beautiful, dark, nasty, just exactly what you think of with Batman. I think it's molossus. I think that's the P I think, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Molossus is kind of the, it's the, the Batman theme 
like that pops in from time to time. I think that's the one you're talking about. Okay. I think, I think it is too. Yeah. Yeah. These names are so fucking cool. I love that. It's like a puzzle. Uh, that's great. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I like that. Yeah. But you know, I, I know what you're talking about. Like when, when you initially get into the bat cave, you know, and you're seeing Michael Caine and he, I'm good right here. You know, Alfred's like, I don't need to go any further and look around. Like, it's just this really cool moment where you're like, Oh my God, Nolan is home. You know, this is what he's supposed to do. Well, I love that he doesn't just, you know, it's not just Batman's like, you know, definitive return. It's also, you know, reintroducing the Batmobile gets like the Batmobile gets its own awesome scene. The Batcave gets proper reintroduction. Every element of Batman's story gets as much attention as Batman himself. And that is one of my favorite things about Batman Begins. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. I love it, man. Ah, well, here's a tough one. The Philip Seymour Hoffman Award. Who wins this movie? This was so hard. Uh, Everyone's given a killer performance here. But I I went mostly with character on this one because I can't really pick a a great, like a best performance here because everyone's killing it. But the character... I love Killian Murphy's approach to Scarecrow. Ah, good pick. I like that. He, Killian Murphy's been one of my favorite character actors forever. And I feel like he's never really gotten much appreciation until I think Peaky Blinders gave him a big boost. So yes. good for him. Uh, and I think he is going to get some attention for Oppenheimer. I really hope so. Uh, but Scarecrow is, you know, he, he's the epitome of fear. He's, he calls himself literally fear itself. And Killian plays a very subdued, very slimy Dr. Crane. But when he puts on the mask, he's a demon. He's evil. He's ferocious. And you buy it. I love the, the incidents with the toxin when he's in the, uh, the basement of the Arkham with the, the goons and Batman shows up and he's like, he's here, the Batman. And just like the way he enunciates, yeah. it's like, this guy's unhinged as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then I love him just popping up in cameos throughout the, the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, being kind of a, like a mainstay. I love that. And yeah, I thought Murphy, considering he only got cast as Scarecrow because he didn't get the role of Batman, but Nolan thought he was so great, he gave him Scarecrow, which is <laughs> wonderful. Uh, I've seen the screen test. If you ever see, want to see Killian Murphy wearing a bat suit, you can look up the screen test and it's weird. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't. I can't really imagine that. That's crazy. Yeah. He, yeah, he's lights out, lights out in this movie. That I think his, I think his moment is that is that moment when Batman comes to his little lair and fuck shit up. Uh, and he, yeah, the way he when he looks up, he looks up like if you did hear a bat, you'd be like, oh shit, you know. And he like does it, but he's like, I've been waiting for this moment. You know, he's just a complete freak. I love uh, proper, all the, proper Gotham. All the crazy shit he's talking about the mind and like you know the mind. I appreciate the mind's power over the body. It's why I do what I do. Like just constantly talking about, you know, the mental power he exudes over everybody and this yeah. toxin that allows him to destroy people at their most like vulnerable spot. It's Scarecrow has always been one of my favorite Batman villains. And I love how Nolan brought him into the light and made him a realistic character. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think people, general people didn't know much about Scarecrow. And then they were like, oh, he's like now at the forefront, you know, and I think people are, going to be waiting for some kind of scare scarecrow in the future. You know, I think people are ready for a new, new take on it. And there's like hundreds of actors that I think could take a good fucking punch at it. Uh, 
God, this was really tough. You know, I thought about Murphy. I thought about, I thought about Bale. I thought about, thought about Liam Neeson. I really like his, you know, kind of fucking coming in at the beginning and then coming in at the end. Um, I thought about Gary Oldman. I think his Gordon is really underrated throughout the trilogy, but I had to go with someone that I think provides this humanity in the movie and provides this kind of uh, lifeline to us. And that's, that's out. That's Michael Caine as Alfred. Wow. I think, I think we need him but badly in this movie, specifically Batman begins. You know, I think Alfred's ability to, and Michael Caine's ability to, seamlessly bring us from Christian Bale's childhood to his adulthood as, as his caregiver, you know, as a, someone who's taking care of this child, you know, and he's the one who remembers his parents the best, you know, Bruce was, was like a little boy. He has his memories of, of them, but Alfred knew them better than anybody. Right. And so he knows what kind of people they were. And I love those moments of him kind of reminding him of where he comes from. And reminding him that the Wayne family, the Wayne name, that legacy, like is important and is important to take seriously. And uh, without without Alfred, you know, Bruce, there's just no way Bruce slash Batman would be alive. You know, I think Alfred is is Robin. You know, he's he's the actual Robin. He's the one who's actually he's in the Batcave. He's you know trying to look after shit. He's the one who watches Wayne Manor. Uh, and at the end of the film. He fucking saves his life. So, you know, like, you know, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> he's so good. And I love his his comedic timing is something that no one else really is going for in these movies. Alfred's the only one who's like, ah, let's lighten the mood up a little bit. You know, like, fucking hell. I love when he says, um, to, they're, on, they're on that, like, fucking private jet. And Christian, uh, Bruce Wayne is like, you know, oh, I need, it needs to be a symbol. Something terrifying, you know, something elemental. And Alfred's like, oh, I assume you're thinking of, you know, the people you love, you know, da, da, da. And, you know, he's like, like Rachel. And he's like, no, I was actually thinking of me. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that, that stuff that Michael Caine's going for. I don't think I would Michael Caine the award in either of the other two Dark Knight films, because I know who gets it in Dark Knight. And that's fucking Heath Ledger. And in Dark Knight Rises, I'd have to rewatch it to really, really pick that properly. But I'd probably go with Tom Hardy just because he just, the guy bulked up 300 pounds just to play a character. But Michael Caine, I think is very important to this trilogy and very important to the first film specifically. Uh, And I I love him. I love Michael Caine. This is a great cast. You can't go wrong. That's wonderful. I was so sure you were going to go Tom Wilkinson. Uh, I'll talk about him next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Michael Caine is Alfred is such, it's a match made in heaven. The, char- the actor and character there. My favorite Alfred moment is when Raish burns down Wayne Manor and they get yeah. into the Bats cave and Bruce is like, my family's legacy has been destroyed. It's my fault. And Alfred tells him straight up, like, it's just a house. It's just bricks and mortar. You are the Wayne family legacy. <laughs> it's like, he needs that pick me up to go save the day, to go fight Raish al Ghul. He needs to be reminded that he's doing the right thing, that he's a hero and this city needs him. And Alfred's there to give him that push. Oh, <laughs> so cool. So fucking cool. Yeah, I love it, man. Michael Caine's great. Uh, here we go. The Roger Deakins Award for best scene in the movie. This is... There's an argument for this being my favorite scene in the trilogy. Uh, Ooh, okay, here we go. Every 
actor who plays Batman has their moment when they arrive as Batman. And Christian Bale has the best Batman arrival. Uh, Falcone and Flass are at the docks getting the drugs. And all of a sudden, people start getting grabbed into the shadows. And some, but something's lurking. You don't know what's lurking. They're all freaking out. <laughs> they all get fucked up. Falcone realizes his driver's been knocked out. He grabs a shotgun. He's like, what the hell are you? Bruce reaches into the fucking sunroof, grabs Falcone, and whispers right into his face, I'm Batman, and knocks his ass out. Holy fuck, is that an arrival? <laughs> Every time I get fucking chills, I'm like, yeah, I'm fist pumping, like, Batman's here. It's, yes. It's wonderful. It's the best. It's my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that because I also chose a scene between them two. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that there's nothing quite like Batman, the arrival of Batman. Uh, you know, I, I love, I love that about superhero movies that, you know, like, uh, one of my favorite superhero moments ever is in, is in, uh, Infinity War when you see Captain America for the first time and you see Black Widow and you're like, oh shit, they're about to fuck stuff up. You know, it's just badass, you know, the music's swelling and it's kind of dark and shadowy. And then you see them come out and you're like this is why I go to the movies. <laughs> you know, this is why, this is why I watch. Batman has the best in all of his movies, you know, is always just showing up with just a fucking incredible appearance, you know, like he's like, he's a fucking God. And it's awesome. Uh, so that, that's a, that's a great pick, you know, just the power, the power behind that scene. Um, that's really cool because I chose the scene that I think kind of inspires that and creates that, that, that fucking like, anger that a vengeance that uh that persona that dark persona you know swear to me you know <laughs> uh and it's it's the scene between tom wilkinson and christian bale as carmine and bruce uh when bruce uh wanted to kill uh his 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 parents uh, murderer he wanted to kill them kill him joe chill <laughs> yeah which is played wonderfully by mr break uh and you know Katie Holmes, or Rachel Doss, she is like, you know, your parents would be ashamed of you. You know, that's not how they rate, you know, that's not how they would want you to be. You know, you know, you think you, you think, you know, no shit, go, you know, go fucking talk to him. And, and he does, you know, he goes and talks to Carmine and it is my favorite scene, like hands down of the film. And it is the best dialogue. I'm, I've been saving this. This can't be in my Tarantino because it's, it's my fucking Deacons. You know, this is Tom Wilkinson this is his scene. You know, this is where he gets to shine and show like, Hey, I'm, I'm the fucking man, you know, and I'm the one who runs Gotham. All you fucking people who dress up and cost. Keep going for it. I'm the one who rules this shit. And I think, you know, I think Turturro did a decent job of kind of playing that role, but come on, Tom Wilkinson's by far better in my opinion. Uh, so Bruce walks into, into, into the bar. It's, it's, it's such a awesome setup, you know, and, it's just this kind of dimly lit fucking you got all these sleaze bags, you know, hanging out here like off duty cops and stuff like what the fuck. It reminds me of some stuff in the Batman. Uh, so he walks in, Bruce walks in and Carmine says, you're taller than you look in tabloids, Mr. Wayne. Then one of Falcone's attendant bodyguards gives Bruce kind of, you know, a little pat down checking for weapons. And Carmine says, no gun. I'm insulted. You could have just sent a thank you note, Bruce Wayne. I didn't come here to thank you. I came here to show you that not everyone in Gotham is afraid of you. Carmine, 
<laughs> only those who know me, kid, look around you. You'll see two councilmen, a union official, a couple off-duty cops, and a judge. He points a gun at Bruce. Now, I wouldn't have a second's hesitation of blowing your head off right here, right now in front of all of them. No, that's the power you can't buy. That's the power of fear. I'm not afraid of you, says Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Carmine, because you think you got nothing to lose, but you haven't thought it through. You haven't thought about your lady friend down at the DA's office. You haven't thought about your old butler. Bang! Falcone pulls the trigger, but the hammer falls on an empty chamber. With a click, he pulls the gun back away. Carmine, people from your world have so much to lose. Now you think because you're mean your daddy got shot, you know the ugly side of life, but you don't. You've never tasted desperate. You're, uh, you're Bruce Wayne, the Prince of Gotham. <laughs> You'd have to go to a thousand miles to meet someone who didn't know your name. So don't, don't come down here with your anger trying to prove something to yourself. This is a world you'll never understand, and you always fear what you don't understand, all right? Falcone gives his bodyguards a signal to remove Bruce. They take hold of him, and he struggles against their grip. Yeah, you got spirit, kid. I'll give you that. More than your old man, anyway. And the joint, Jill told, Jill, Jill told me, told me about the night he uh, killed your parents. He said your father begged for mercy. Begged. Like a dog. <laughs> and the scene ends. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tom Wilkinson just gets the best shit. The best shit in the whole film to, to say. And he delivers. By God, he delivers. You know, Christian Bale doesn't have a fucking choice here. He just has to take it. He just has to bend over and take all this fucking amazing stuff. You know, <laughs> your father begged for mercy. Begged <laughs> like a dog. Like, it's just so, uh, so infuriating. You know, if this stuff is being said to you like you're some child, you know, and this creates, this creates Batman. This creates Bruce Wayne being like, Fuck this. I am not allowing this guy to run this city. I'm going to run this motherfucking city. And it starts the trilogy. Thank you, Carmine, for fucking talking all that shit. Because then we get three movies. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Good choice. Uh, first off, I think it's crazy that Joe Chill didn't go on to become Mr. Freeze. But I digress. Yeah, right? I've always thought that. I've always been like, oh, it's right there. It's in the writing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, this is a great introduction to the way Gotham City really works. You know, in mm. this bar, like he said, there's a cop, there's some cops, there's a union official, there's a fucking judge. And Carmine could kill this man right here and no one would do fucking anything about it. And I love that no gun, I'm insulted. Like, I, I yeah. love that little line. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo oh. I love, I think my favorite, like, little tone is when he's like, you're, uh, you're Bruce Wayne. Prince of Gotham. <laughs> it's just like you're fucking nothing to me. Like, get out of here. I love how he's talking about the power of fear, which is kind of the theme of this movie, really. Yeah. Um, and then later on, when he when Scarecrow fucks him up, and he's oh. like, you know, when he fakes a suicide to get Crane's attention, he's like, you know, Doctor, I can't take it. My life's a void. Blah blah blah. Like, what what are we gonna do here? Yeah, that's such a good scene. And Dr. Crane's like, oh, no, I'm going to turn this upside down. <laughs> yeah. I also love like the little bit where you realize Carmine's fucking terrified of Ra's al Like, mm. that's cool. When he's like, he's coming here. Like that look in his eyes. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's. Uh, but even then, like the arrogance when Crane's like, you know, he will probably say we should just kill you. And Carmine's like, no, no, no. Not even he can get me in here. Not in my town. <laughs> yeah. This dude god. thinks he's a god, and Scarecrow knocks his ass off the pedestal with the fear toxin. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. 
great scene. Yeah, I, I I adore adore that scene with all my heart. And I, I I texted you while I was watching it last night. I was like, dude, Tom Wilkinson gets gets fucking gold in this movie. He just gets to go off on Batman for well, Bruce Wayne for a second, <laughs> and and it's beautiful. It's always been my favorite scene. I've always always said. So don't come down here. You know, I've always any any moment I can say something like that to anybody. I, I try to use the voice, and, you know, come down here, you know, <laughs> like no matter what it is, it doesn't matter. You know, you can really like, like insult somebody when you're like, you're uh, you're just this yeah. <laughs> that you're yeah. a thing is like you don't you mean you mean less than nothing to me. <laughs> yeah. Like like my my dad's name is uh, is Blaine Johnson. And I'll say to my older brothers, like, you're uh, you're the son of Blaine Johnson. Who gives a shit? You know, <laughs> like they'll be like, what? <laughs> you know, just like, Tom Wilkinson. Yeah, and they're like, okay, <laughs> okay, stupid fucker. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, <sighs> I just, I, 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 I love it so much, and I love Tom Wilkinson so much. Um, this show has made me realize, like, that guy's that's my guy, you know, and that's one of my favorite things about Oscar Sunday is it just gets me to rally behind these act, these actresses, and cinematographers and composers that I'm just like, I fucking love these people and their craft means so, so much to me. Oh yeah. He is Shiva, the God of death. Yes. I love Wilkinson. Yeah. Oh, this is yeah. Fun. Getting to kind of look at Batman begins through this lens is an experience. And I'm glad I got to do that. Yeah. You know, I really like doing these kind of massive films that, you know, everybody knows about. Right. And, they're these box office success type movies. And I think looking at it with this kind of a lens is like, is like really, really important because I think a lot of people want to split up, you know, dramas and comedies and superhero movies. And they want to kind of treat them all differently and look at them with a different lens. I think it's cool to kind of just, I've said this before about movies. I think it's cool to put stuff on the chopping block, see what it's made of. And Batman Begins is made of some of the best shit. It's a nine out of 10 movie for me. I love it. I'll be watching it for the rest of my life. Yep. Nine for me as well. It's a perfect start to a badass trilogy. Uh, Matt Reeves has his work cut out for him to top this, but he is on the right track towards it. <laughs> yeah. What's good for Matt Reeves. I think the best advantage he has is that, is that Ben Affleck experience that just didn't work. Yeah. And so, so it's, you know, if it was Nolan and that's it, you'd be like, Oh dude, good luck. But since he kind of has this thing that was so bad in between, you can be like, okay, I can, I can experiment a little bit here and do something different, and fans will appreciate it because it's better when they what they just saw the past decade. Yeah, you're right. I think, and like we've said, you know, rock bottom has been hit. Honestly, like no yeah. one's doing worse than Clooney. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, do your best. Yeah, Clooney, Clooney, and, and Ben Affleck. Who'd have thought? You know, these guys just Kilmer is better which is a phrase I never thought I'd utter in my life. <laughs> neither, neither did I. Yeah. Neither did I. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this, is, this is a blast. Well, you know, tomorrow um, you and Caleb will be deep diving into the Batman, uh, a film we've kind of touched on here and there throughout this episode. And I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. Kind of at length, you know, you can go on as long as you want. That is pretty much all that will be covered on sneak preview tomorrow. That's that is the, that is the ammo. That is the, that is the episode. Uh, and then, and then on filmgasm on Wednesday, uh, going to be a cool episode, nice and random Jeepers creepers, kind of a, kind of a cult classic and a movie that I enjoy a lot. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then <laughs> 
on Beyond the Bad, here's a movie that uh, is quite bad. Uh, Cruel Jaws. That'll be on Friday. That's a movie that look out. You know, if you're if you're if you if you want to make fun of something, that's your shit. <laughs> An Italian Jaws ripoff. I mean, beautiful. And that's why this show was made is to yes. sit on movies like this. Um, yeah, that's going to be really fun. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Cruel Jaws, episode 10. Feels right, you know. <laughs> Beyond the Bad is uh, well underway and doing its thing and kind of in motion. So just check check out what we got going on this week. And then next week on Oscar Sunday, very excited to cover a Pixar film. I think it's just the third one we've ever done. We've done Toy Story. We've done Incredibles. Yep. That's we've also it. done... Yeah, we've done other animated movies. We did Beauty and the Beast, Shrek, Rango. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is just our third Pixar, which is kind of crazy. Episode 93, Coco from 2017. Uh, so I'm very excited to do that. I know it's like probably your second favorite Pixar movie ever. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking ready to rewatch that. My daughter loves that movie. I'm really excited to, to check it out this week. And I am going to do some research on animated movies and what it means to be a production designer or cinematographer on an animated film. I'm going to try to come back next week with some, some, uh, some research. So come back and listen to Oscar Sunday on, on Coco. I remember on a sneak preview we did early on in the show's run, it was me, you and Brianna. I think yes. Luca was the movie Luca. we did. We did a yep. top five Pixar and I was struggling with Toy Story and Coco kind of taking the top spot. It was like flip-flopping the whole time because Coco got so into my head and really like almost changed me as a person. I was so touched by that film. So I'm, I'm excited to go back, but it, I'm going to cry. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to a good cry. <laughs> yeah. That's what it, that's what it does to you, man. You know, Coco is all about, all about the tears. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be a fun random week. You know, Batman week is kind of coming to a close after tomorrow and, We'll be getting back to just kind of the the wild schedule that we're used to of doing all kinds of shit on Filmgasm. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Filmgasm always, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.